listening to season two of Pod. We are sisters, one West Coast, one East Coast, one straight mom of toddler twins, one gay, uh, multiply divorced, <laughs> one lifelong gag of the Chrissy fan, one new reader. Season one got the two of us through the first shitty year of COVID. Follow along with us for season two as we drink and sometimes remember to talk about the book. All right. Welcome to Quarrow Pod. <laughs> Why is the long pod? Well, I thought you would say it. Oh, I usually like... say it. But <laughs> I usually say the welcome to it too. Oh, that's fair. We're not used to being in the same room. Okay, wait. Let's try this again. Okay. Say, say, uh, hello. Welcome to Pod. There you go. We did it. <laughs> As you can tell, we are... Wait, you always you say it after me. Pod. <laughs> As you can tell, we're in person together, which uh, we're loopier already and uh, don't know what we're to do because we're not used to being in person. Right. So also not used to recording. We have been very bad recently. Very we bad apologize recently. to uh, our loyal and growing listenership. Yeah. Which, so we have to do a shout out. Oh yeah. A uh, special shout out to Kat, who, who emailed the email, the email, the email. <laughs> Email the Proropod email, which we don't what even is know. It? Wait, let me see what it is. She, uh, wait, what is our email? In case anyone else wants to reach out, Proropodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> That's Proropodcast at gmail.com. So, Cat oh, reached out and let us know that she's enjoying and Bobby getting sandwiches and that our mom is adorable, which uh, we just informed her as she was going to bed. Yeah, which she is still adorable. Yeah, she is still adorable. So it was kind of cool to hear from a fan because I have had two fans who have said they, but they were also friends of mine first. <laughs> so when a friend of yours is listening, although... No, it takes more. Because like if I was listening to a, a friend of mine drone on, I'd be like, shut up. Like, so like, I so feel like it's I easier actually, with a so stranger. impressed because... Trey has been reaching out and like... Oh, yeah. Also, shout out to Trey, because he has been loyally letting us know that we were not just talking to the void since right. the beginning. Right. And also, you keep using the word fan, and I remember how I feel like they could be like the hate listen or the like tolerate listen. Like, right, yeah. I listen to podcasts that I'm not fans of. Fair, fair. But anyway, we appreciate, and it's kind of exciting to think about that there are people who enjoy listening us to talk about <laughs> books and drink wine. Sort so. of. Books. Yes. Sort of books. Sort of books. Talk sort of, sort of about books. <laughs> we are going to try, and this is our second attempt. To do NRM. To do NRM by Agatha Christie, set in 1941, um, at, or written, published. Anyway, it's during World War II. <laughs> 1941-ish. It's, it's my one of my favorites. I love it. It's Tommy and Tuppets. And we started recording this. I think we alluded to this in the last one. Three months ago now. We did a half of it. And then because I was East Coast time and... She literally fell asleep while we were I, I was nodding off. <laughs> during but then, like, within a week, stuff happened with our mom where health issues came up. And then we never got back to recording it. And then... And then it sounded hard because... As we talk, I mean, the part of the reason to have a Agatha Christie pod is that her books are hard and interesting. 
in good and bad ways, right? right and so right. it just sounded hard. And so that's why we did the Franny Fisher episode because it was just so much easier, which we're still currently both of us reading the Franny Fisher series. But right. we were talking about, should we do another Franny? I was like, there's not that much to talk about. I mean, she nicely follows the formula. Yeah, and we're enjoying it a lot. But interesting, in a stressful time in life, we're like enjoying these formulaic books that are just like. And if you want to read books that are all ent- entirely set in 1928, years, months have gone by. So many books, and they're all 1928. But it's because she does historical research, and it's yeah. Still recommend that series, but we're not going to talk about it because there's not as much to talk about. Yeah, but we are going to talk about N or M. So as Portia was saying, it's set in. That's making me nervous. Should I close that door? Let's close the door. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you can close it. I was thinking the same thing. I'm shouting because I'm not sure if the listeners can hear us, but I don't want the toddlers and the more and more to hear Shut us. it all the way. So, okay. Yeah, so, um, and in case you're, um, we are also living in a sitcom. <laughs> this episode, this season is wild. Brought to you by a sitcom because in my house, it's not just me and my husband and my kids. My mother has been living with us for the last two months. As, as we alluded to in the last episode, she's getting cancer treatments. And so that's that's why she's living here and why I'm in town. Because it's all hands on deck. It's all hands on deck. So we have everybody at the house. And it's a crowded and it's a sitcom. And then Aunt Amanda came to stay in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't do that well underground. So she got an Airbnb for the weekend. So that's I'm, I'm, up, I'm, above, I'm above ground for uh, for a couple of days. But... It's me in the litter box in the basement doing our best. (laughs) And lots of um, incense and um, what are those? Um, uh, um, The scent things. What do you call them? Essential Essential oils. oils. Lots of essential oils. Well, because it was the litter box. And then, yeah, so, okay. So this is, we're doing a sandwiches and we didn't even start about the book. So I get to the basement, which is my new abode for the month or so. And um, it was a litter box in there for a while. And that's not uh, my typical bedroom smell. So I like was like, you know, doing the things to, to, to improve the smells. And it turns out that my sister is very averse to the smell of incense, which I totally get because I'm not averse. I love incense, but I like hate vanilla smell and I don't like coconut smelly thing. Like I like co- actual natural coconut, but not like artificial coconut smell right. oh, and it yeah. turns my stomach if someone lights a, a vanilla candle it turns my stomach and i saw oh, that really? look on your face and oh, i was yeah. like oh i just did that to you in your own house and i was like okay so yeah, not essential oils i like not litter box but not incense yeah we've been on a scent journey we've cancer set- journey we're doing all the things we're doing all the things i'm living in a sitcom and yeah. it's exhausting with a grumpy cat and we're two, all exhausted two enthusiastic toddlers and yeah whew, it's a lot. So let's talk about a book. A spy novel. So like anyone who's listened to us before, as, as I try to give more context because I realize when I'm listening to podcasts, sometimes I'll pop into one and then they're like assuming I know things. Like, I don't know you. Anyway, so. Oh, good idea. Um, we really enjoy Agatha Christie's spy side. We do. And it's, that's not what she's known for. She's known for the murder in a bottle. What the heck was that sound? <laughs> Just mom in the bathroom again. <laughs> yeah, we have to look at that. Oh god. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I had a point. <laughs> so 
Agatha Christie's known for murders in a bottle. They're at a country estate. There's a bunch of rich people. Somebody dies. And the butler did it, right? That's what everybody thinks Agatha Christie is. But she actually does a fair amount of spy novels in her books. And Tommy and Tuppence, who we last saw 20 years ago. <laughs> I feel like this chair is very squeaky. Okay. Amanda's sitting on a leather chair and she's guilty about it. And she's like, oh God, I'm making noises. I don't think you, we didn't hear any of those noises when we did the test sound. <laughs> also in a house when um, there's toddlers and older people going through medical treatment. There's just a lot of... There's a lot of tooting. Skylar at lunch who's like, I just toted one, two, three times. And he was so proud of himself that he counted on his fingers. I tooted three times. I don't know whether to compliment him for counting or just be like, you know, we're eating lunch. <laughs> he was so earnest about it. <laughs> he wasn't even making like a fart joke. He was just like earnestly like was recording. Like, Look, guys, hey, you guys are really interested if more and more is going to the bathroom. So let me tell you, I'm too it. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, wait. Uh, I'm Christy. So anyway, Agatha Christie does these great spy novels, and Tommy and Tuppence is our, one of our favorite characters, and we haven't seen her, um, seen them uh, in like 20 years. Um, and we know it's In been literal like, 20 years of writing the books? Yeah, because I think the last Tommy and Tuppence one, I could, should look it up, but was set in the early, tw- in the early 20s. And also, was it also written 20 years apart? I think so. Oh, wow. I think so. Um, but let me... And uh, one of the reasons, it's interesting, because Portia, I think, always loved this book, but then now especially loves it because it's set... Tommy and Tuppence, to, to give you the background, if you don't remember the early books of them, um, they're young, and they end up getting to do, like, spy things in World War One, And then at the end of those books, or those stories, they, um, uh, you know, are expecting a child, and... Um, get out of the game as it were so now it's set we're in world war ii and they're both like frustrated like they don't want to use me they say that i'm too old you know they can't do anything for the war effort and they're frustrated and so and they're in their 40s and their kids are older um and they happen to have twin boy girl twins which shout out to boy girl twins Portia's but, twins are boy girl twins who are but three. Yeah, so in, in real time, she wrote the first Tommy and Tuppets novel in 22. And then the collection where they were the partners in crime and, you know, did the thing in 29. So then they were pregnant at the end of that one. And now this is set in, this came out in 41, which is only 12 years later. And this, so their twins would have been 12. But for the purposes of the her story the time. narrative yeah they're both like in the war effort the kids they're, are in the war effort. their kids are in their or like 2021 yeah. um which you know um yeah so there's a little bit of fudging of time so we're kind of imagining that tommy's and tuppins first it sounded like a child sneezing right that's a special mother sound thing happening for you. No, oh, you didn't hear it? Okay. I heard a noise. I wouldn't say that that was a... Okay. But, okay. iPad 
portraying a child sneezing sound. <laughs> okay. It's not in my repertoire of sounds that I know. Okay, fair. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so back to, so like, so I think there's a little bit of condensing so that. Right, so the, that they can be like, oh, they're both. So that, I think that if they had teenagers or 12 year olds they wouldn't try to be the two they wouldn't try to be in the war but for the purposes their of kids this, are out of the house their kids are out of the house so the book starts out awesome that it's, i love this entrance because tell tommy, it, Portia, do it, do your things. tommy comes home puts a smile on his face and walks in and they start talking about blitzrig and like the war you know and then she's like well clearly you didn't get a job and he was like, I wasn't aware that I look like a gloomy Gus. And she was like, you have the worst fake smile on your face. I can tell I didn't. And then he starts completing in a way that I understand that everyone is saying, you're too old. We don't need you for this war. And he's like, I'm 46. I'm perfectly capable of doing things. I fought in World War I. I was a spy after World War I. I'm perfectly capable. And they're like, you're 46. Let it go. Um, so how do you relate to that? In all your war experience? <laughs> trying to give the army? No. I, what I'm relating to is the idea of people putting labels on how old you have to be in order to do things. And I think there's, you know. And so now Tommy and Tuppence. No, I don't know. You said I relate to that. Hang on. Okay. Wait. Sushi's trying to get in. That's oh, what the sound it's is. It's not a child seizing. It's a, it's, a, it's a demanding cat. Give her the toddler talk. I hear that you're mad. I know. Isn't it adorable that you told Annika that she couldn't do something and she's like, starts crying and saying, I bonked my head. I love that you're like, so you ran into a boundary with your head. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> So for a little toddler pod moment, um, Annika decided she saw more and more, which is what they call our mom. They, they saw her trimming the plants with the, with, with the dead leaves. And so Annika was like, great. Now she's like a botanist and she's like <laughs> taking out, she's, she's doing an experiment on this poor, on this, on the poor house plant. So she's like, let me cut off all the leaves. Portia's trying to explain to a three-year-old the like subtle rules of like, which ones you cut. And I was like, like I'm making a call here. I'm going to grow up in this house. This is a grown-up job. No more cutting off of leaves of, of you know, for, for kids. And she starts crying. It wasn't right away. She, like, let me come take her to the other room to go brush teeth and everything. And then, like, but then, like, when she got around you, and you taught me this, that she says, I bonked my head when she's upset. Right. Like, it's... You're, you're, you're walking over the listeners. You're just purring all <laughs> over the, the microphone to realize this, right? So anyways, um, Portia explains to me, as Annika's doing this, that when she says she bonks her head, she said, I've bonked my head when she's upset about it. Right, because did you see her bonk her head? No, being called out. And you said that's happened before. And I was like, oh, you bonked your head against a boundary. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great way of putting it. Like that yeah, up. that boundary is, what, yeah. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you can be sad about it. So I try. what I try to do is, like acknowledge the feeling behind the I bonked my head crying which is hey cookies no really? no <laughs> you can't eat the gluten-free cookies 
cat? <laughs> God damn it. Boundaries. So she, we're just talking about boundaries here. Like, we can have, you can have some licks of ice cream after we're done, but you can't have any gluten-free cookies. We have so few things. So few things. <laughs> that we can have. <laughs> anyway. You put them right here in her reach, by the way. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> okay. Grown-up twins. So anyway, the grown-up twins wouldn't be grown-up, but they are. They're out of the house. So... The point mm. is, is that Tommy... The and point t- is that you said you identified with being told you were too old to do something, and then you were like, you know, I don't know. What, has that happened to you? You said you identified with it. Have you been, have you been told, like, Portia, we would want you for this, but you're too old. Well, no. It's actually me just looking at society. You're right. Nobody's actually said that to me. Right. I mean, except, I mean, I did carry twins at 47. Please don't step on the computer. Stop stepping on the computer. <laughs> you're, you're, you're typing on the computer. Stop typing. Please take your foot off. <laughs> so she both... It's such a cat. She both hates us and loves us and wants to be a part of this. But she doesn't want to like settle She's up. like, laps. I can't, you're not doing it right. I can't find a couple of It'll be exactly words. twice per lap. And then I'll go to the other lap. <laughs> Could you just Settle. Settle. Pick a place to settle. Um, so you said society told you that not to have twins. At- yeah, and I did have people say, oh, you can't do that. It turns out it was medically dangerous. So <laughs> you almost died, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I didn't. A little preeclampsia never hurt. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> but so, I mean, I think there's a little bit of like, realizing my age and then being like, but I still feel like I can do things. And so when Tommy's like, I want to do stuff. And then both Tommy and Tuppence are complaining about this. And the implication is, is that they're and for the listeners. Um, we are 45 and 50. Right. So yeah, I'm 50. Amanda's 45. So, um, it, we could identify. Or I you could, could identify. Yeah. Cause Tommy was said he was 46 which again, like, part the timing doesn't make sense for Partners in Crime because Partners in Crime was published in twenty nine, and he says he's under twenty five, so we're pretending that he was, but it makes more sense actually if he was twenty five. I don't need my fictional worlds to correlate with right, the real world. Yeah, but the point is, is that he was in his teens and early twenties during World War One, and now he's in his forties, which yeah. I think happened to a lot of people. So they fought in World War One. What? <laughs> a whole generation was in their twenties. <laughs> right, but I was thinking it happened to a lot of people. No, I was thinking one day they, <laughs> they went from twenty to forty. <laughs> That's no, but I'm thinking exact number of years. Inter- <laughs> well, what's interesting <laughs> as a history teacher? <laughs> as Literally. A They probably had a name, or I don't know if we were as into naming generations as new ones back No, but then. I, I think it's interesting that we had World War I in 1914 through 18, and World War II, 39 through 45. So you could have been 18 
in the first war and 40 in the second war. And when the second war came around, and especially I can imagine if you were in Britain or France or, or hell, Germany or, you know, like those places, you're like, wait a minute, I just, I did this 20 years ago. Then, um, but I remember what it's like, I can help, you know? And so I can imagine because I've now found that happening when people talk about this is happening to me in my 20s and I was in just recently in my 40s and then I'll be like, oh yeah, that happened. You know, like whether it's an economic downturn or I mean, or something where I'm like, oh, so it's a fascinating thing about those two wars happening, major wars happening in the exact same spot 20 years apart. Right. And so like there's a lot of people who have that. So Right. And for Agatha Christie stories, uh, Praro and Miss um, Marple start out old. Right. Tommy and Tuppence are the only people who go who start out at twenties and go to their forties. It's true. So, and it's interesting. It's the only time she really, exper- except for in the Man in the Brown Suit, the only time she experiments with care younger characters. Right. Um, or the secret of chimneys. There was, you yeah, know, those ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, right. But but they don't. None of those people get to go. We don't come back to them. We don't come back to them. So Tommy and Tuppence are the only ones. So like I just, it's just interesting to think about because, and it didn't happen to the United States as much because we were barely in World War One. But I just keep thinking about if you were in Britain, and you were young in World War One, and then. Not that much older in World War Two. going, wait, what? We're doing this again? What's happening? You know, like... Yeah. So anyway, but I... When I first read these books when I was in high school, um, the... I kind of was like, oh, that's cute. And then I read it in my 20s, and I was like, oh, I can kind of understand it. And then for this project, because I haven't read them in decades, well, maybe that's not true, but I mean, like, rereading them for these podcasts and being in my 40s when we, you know, when we started this, I was in my 40s, um, uh, I, I understood in a different way of right. people saying to Tommy, you're too old, we don't need you for this war, and he's like the fuck you mean I, you don't need me for this war yeah I fought in the last one I you know I have use and then um, t- Tuppence does a similar rant at the beginning of the book of like I drove an ambulance I did all this stuff which also Franny drove an ambulance in World War One. right wasn't that interesting like, to hear that after reading the Franny books and you're like oh that's cute that's a cute kind of nod I think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so anyway, so I understood it. I guess I'm just saying that I understood and it. And not necessarily that you have been personally told that, like, you're too old for this. But, like, just the world's impression and, like, especially, probably mostly with your having kids adventure, older than your peers who have kids going to college right now and you're having little ones. And sort of the uh, societal, oh, look at you. Right, right. <laughs> Versus, like, a... Like a job, like at your job, you're in a place right, where right. Like it makes yeah, sense and then of course, age. you know, my job is not trying to fight a war, and so like, but it's an interesting question to think about if 
when they fought World War Two, did they say to the people from World War One, like, we don't need you because you're out of date, or do we, you know, like, uh, it's yeah, an interesting it thing really to think about. And it's true, though. Young people go and fight wars. They go put themselves in danger and fight wars, and they have a different sense of danger than we do. Because if someone told me, when I was 18, go over this way, there might be shots, I would be probably more like, okay, I'll hide. Woo! And now I'm like, yeah, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, there's a different frontal lobe thing going on, and that's why young people go to war. I mean, yeah. But it was just, you know, so I appreciated that Tommy and Tuppence were like, we've been there, we want to help, and felt kind of left out. Okay, so let's get to the book. So, um, they're both frustrated. We want to help the war effort. Our kids are off doing something this and that, but ah. And their then, kids are helping in the war effort. Deborah is doing intelligence and military intelligence, and Derek is a um, RAF, uh, uh, Royal Air Force. Okay. And so, as always happens in Tommy and Tuppix's situations, once they will it. It happens. The universe brings it. They're they're very uh, powerful with the secret. They watched that video. It was really clearly, impactful clearly for did. them. So then, knock, 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 an agent comes to the door. And what's great about so this scene, I have you have to reread the scene like four times because yeah, he comes to the door and he says, "Hey, I'm Mister Carter, right?" No, no I, he was referred by Mr. Grant. He was car- referred by Grant. His name is Mr. Grant. And he says, I'm Mr. Grant. I was referred by Lord Easternham, which is what the real name of Mr. Carter from a secret ad- adversary who got Tommy and Tuppence back in spy work. He was work their, their handler. Back yeah. 20 years ago. He says, Lord Easternham told me to look you up. And, and Tuppence says, hey, how are you doing? They chat a little bit. And then she gets a call. No, no, no. She goes to get some sherry. As one does. As one does. Franny gets sherry a lot too. Yeah, there's a lot of sherry and brandy in these books. Uh, it's like, I don't sherry even, even taste it. I don't even like sherry. But and and let you love in the Friday books, if you drink sherry, you're a lady. If you drink Madura, you're a slut or something. Yeah, I don't quite weird, understand yeah. it. Anyway. And T always has brandy in it if anyone's upset. You order tea and then they just put brandy. Put, put brandy. Can you imagine? Tea I mean, with brandy. Yes. Yes. I. Oh, I actually love. I've done tea with brandy. It's awesome. It's like tea tastes like water, so it would just be brandy. Well, no. If you, uh, no, I love tea with brandy. As for, I forget you're a tea drinker. I'm, I'm a, a tea coffee tea. drinker, so to me, tea tastes like disappointment water. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like. Tea plus brandy equals brandy. No, no, no. Oh, God. I'd love a good tea with brandy in it. A little bit of honey. Oh, on a cold winter night. So 1928. <laughs> Thank you very much. This Wait. is why I like Friday. Focus. She goes okay. to get the sherry. As so she goes to get the sherry. And then... Is sherry a wine product? What yes. sherry? Um, oh, uh, Elizabeth next door. Um, she is a sherry Bubby expert. Bubby to your kids? No, no, no. Uh... Bubby is, yeah, the daughter. So Bubby is the Elaine. Her daughter, Elizabeth, loves Sherry and has invited us to like a Sherry bar and she has lots of opinions about Sherry. 
yes, it's a wine product. It's a little bit sweeter. You have it in small glasses like port, but it's not dark like port because I like port. Port's good. As an after dinner like sweet drink, but sherry. Also, is... I've always had it on vacation after like already three drinks and like two desserts. And right. Like, right. Yes, port. <laughs> Why not? But sherry you have before, and it's not as dark, but it is a little bit sweet, but it's not. Yeah. We have to ask Elizabeth. Okay. I'll give a sherry lesson. Yeah, we need a sherry lesson from Elizabeth because she's an expert. She'll have like all sorts These of These books have me wondering about sherry and brandy a lot because it's not in my like drinking repertoire. I know, right? Okay. Stop it, Amanda. So Tuppence so, goes Tuppence against, against sherry. sherry. And then Tommy's like, do you have a job for me? Because this guy was like, I'm from Intelligence Lord Easterham, Easterbrook, whatever Mr. Carter's real Eastbrook name Plaza. is. <laughs> And and he's like, do you have a job for me? And he goes, yeah, you're going to be, like, doing something boring in Scotland. Like, he almost literally says, you're going to be doing something boring in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And and just you and your wife can't come. Because it's classified. It's boring, but it's classified. Right. And then he's like, ah. Uh. And so they're drinking the sherry, da, da, da. And then they get a phone call. And Tom, uh, Tuppets picks up, and you can hear a woman going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And she says... Oh my gosh, my friend, her, she um, is home with her daughter and she twisted her arm and she doesn't have anybody else. I need to go help her, yada, yada. And then you hear the door bang and, and Tuppence rushes out. And then Mr. Grant says, oh, it's a good thing that your wife left because we can do this now. Um, it's actually more than that. We want you to go undercover at a... Um, town on the coast of England called San uh, at, um, Lee Hampton? San, San Sui? Well, San Sui is the name of the guest house. But what was the name of the town? You'll get me for proper nouns. And I think it was Lee no Hampton. Longer, the, the, I think it was Lee Hampton. The penetrating gaze is not going to help me remember. <laughs> this is very alluring, but it's not going to help me remember. Oh, a fictional seaside town named Lee Hampton. I was right, but it's based on Bournemouth. Bournemouth? 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 Jason Bournemouth. <gasps> Speaking of Lee Hampton, my ex is getting remarried. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't told you this. Really? Yes. Apparently in September. That's awesome. I know. Great for them. That's a non sequitur. I don't know where to go with that. Okay. I hadn't told you, and I just I found out, and I hadn't told you. And oh my god, that's awesome. I know. So that means that they have moved on. Yeah. Yeah. Moving, moving to another state. Awesome. To be with the person. Good for them. Posting about their love of their life, and you're like, you know, some phrases lose their potency, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but you know, it's so good. It's so good. Everything's so good about it. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Congratulations, I know, right? congratulations I on know, that. Yeah. Right? I like moving, the marriage, all good. All, all good, good things. things. All, all good things. All that good means things. you won't run into them in the community. I won't call my partner a concubine. All the things. Oh my God. <laughs> Go on. We're going to tip, we're going to see that town. 
So, they're in the fictional town of Lee Hampton, which is the based on the actual town of Bournemouth, according to Wikipedia. I don't know. I've never been to England, which is kind of hard to admit since we're doing an Agatha Christie podcast, but... Uh, we sound dumb enough. Everyone knows. No one thinks these girls know exactly <laughs> who they're talking about. There, they walk these streets. They've but I've heard of Bournemouth. a bicycle down that village path. They know. But I've heard of Bournemouth as, like, those... There's some cute British seaside towns where people go. And apparently... It, during World War Two, and I learned this from this book, is that a lot of people left London because... Can I you from the box? I would love to be... <laughs> it's not that bad. It's really good. Pause for a second. <laughs> Sounds like a dude peeing. Gross. Cute seaside town. Okay. So... Cute seaside town, but during World War Two, people left London and they went and stayed at these long-term, so there were hotels, but what people did is they went and stayed at these places and you, I, I don't know if you paid by the week or the month. it was a boarding house. It was a boarding thing. house. But you, everybody got their you know, own bedroom. Not, not a now time thing, but like a... Event times thing. So okay, side note though, we have a homelessness, houselessness crisis all over this country. And bring back the boarding house. Bring back the boarding house. I love your face. I love your idea. Don't look at me like that. I don't work in the urban planning. I love it. I, give me my friends. But home you know, I'm thinking in, about know. the Blues Brothers. Where what I get don't... the Christie Blues Brothers. <laughs> Make it happen, city planners. Go. <laughs> but, like, hostels, he leaves prison. I think, well, honestly, actually, you know, that's So she just was like, she put her paw on my shoulder. Like, she's like, like super adorable and affectionate in like a long like partner kind of way. She's like, like, you get one foot. You get one foot. It's adorable sushi. No, but it's true because I, I was thinking about that because um, I went to school in Seattle in the 90s and when I went back for a wedding a few years ago there were it used to be like a bunch of halfway houses had all been converted to like high-end hotels and you're like okay well where are the halfway houses because there are people who need halfway houses we literally stayed in one Bianca and I stayed in one that was like this like I forget the name of the brand but it's like a chain but it's like I was like in there, I was like, this is, I could tell this was a... And I was like, I remember this this area was like where the halfway houses were. And like, it was like, this were wherever the wedding recommended. And we went there and it was like, I was like, from the rooms, I could tell this was a halfway house. It was like such a, you know, micro room, blah, blah, blah. It was fine for us. But I was like, was this was literally a halfway house. Like, this is like, not a jail cell, but not, not a jail cell. <laughs> and well, like, and but it was done, all done like hipster and blah, 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 and all the things and like modern and i was just like but i was like but where so are those people charge. now yeah right and then you think about like just like all gentrification like where did those people go now who get out of jail who get out of rehab who go to wherever and like need to like they've all been pushed out and like it's true so that you're right it, about that during blues brothers at the very beginning he leaves 
prison. He picks up his brother. He leaves prison. He goes to this house, and you get a tiny room with a bed and a tiny little like area to cook, maybe like a hot plate, and you share a shower and a bathroom, and it's cheap and it was all male, which I think in the homophobic areas it was they were like well that means that nobody's having sex which is adorable that people thought that but it was like they had a like tried to make it a drama free right place but it's cheap and people live there and and then Carrie Fisher blew it up pretty early on in the movie but you know like Carrie Fisher is not responsible for gentrification but the point is like even like Edgefield was a house like that. The reason why when you stay at Edgefield, which is a now hipster fancy hotel in Portland, the reason you share bathrooms in that place is that it was a poor house and people had a little room and then you went down the hall to go to the bathroom and you take a shower. Right. And now it's like a hipster place to stay for vacation. But what do you do if you can't afford... Right. Like when you can't afford full-time rent, especially as rents are going up and... Rents are ridiculous. They are fucking ridiculous. And so, like, and so I heard an NPR story just a few days ago about they were like, we need to bring back the long term hotel. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we do. There were several that went on Burnside near where we lived. Yeah. It was like all those hotels. And I was remember, like, when mom and dad explained to me, like, oh, those aren't hotels that we would stay on vacation. Those are hotels that people live at. Right. And And I'm sure those were all like, hipster places now. I right. They are. Sure and they are. so, but that means that those are the people who are on the streets and it's like, now they're intense and people want to complain, but like there aren't, but we don't have them. those places for them anymore. And it's like, well, what are they supposed to do? Yeah. And in your city and my city, they're all intense now. Right. So what are they supposed to do? So anyway, but back to this story, apologize the, to those of you who work in urban planning and homelessness because I know you guys are doing smarter things about this. I have friends in both fields. I'm sure they don't listen to this. But just in case, I know people are doing smart things in urban planning and homelessness but or and, and, and helping the and unhoused. And it's not your... I mean, because really who's fucking it up is investors who treat... Right, and that's the thing. Who treat hotels and houses and Airbnbs as just investments and jack up the price. So I mean, you know, I'm at risk them. right now. My... I live in a, I'm a long-term renter because I live in a city where no one can ever afford to buy a house. Right. Especially me. Um, and, or not especially me, everyone plus me, unless you have parents who helped you with a down payment, right? Like, that's the city I live in. And so, um, my, my building is for sale, and luckily, interest rates just went wild because, like, we had a buyer, and we were like, there's no limit on what they could do. They could, they'll buy our building and, like, double our rent. Ugh. And a friend of mine, or a friend of a friend, that just happened to her her apartment in D.C. just went up by five hundred dollars, and she's well off, but still, none of but no one's expecting an extra five hundred dollars a month. Oh, God. But and like, and so we're like, okay, what are we gonna do? And like, luckily, because of the interest rate crisis or whatever, like no, that, I mean, that, that's that actually buyer, the, that buyer dropped out. That's actually the Fed raising the interest. That's what I'm saying. Rate. But yeah. like, they but because of that, yeah, the. The buyer dropped out, but we're at risk at any time that, like, someone will just buy our building and, like, double our rent because we have an affordable rent right now. Because my salary increases either 0% or 1% to 2% for the right. last right seven years, whereas 
rents are going up and up and up and up and up. Oh, yeah, I know. It's... And so it's true. No, it's like even for just people who are working and... Right, yeah, so it's so frustrating because investors that treat houses and apartments and land as just investments and not thinking about we just need places, we need cheap places to live. We need dirt cheap, shitty places to live. Right, like... And I, and when I say cheap, shitty, I just mean like, yeah, we don't have all the hipster shit added to it that jack up the prices. Yeah. We need those for a society to function. This podcast is not about that. Okay. Sorry. Also, we are, neither of us are experts in this field oh, at all. We have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. We are yeah. in education and healthcare and we support our friends in urban planning and, and, and un- yeah, we helping have the no idea what the fuck we're talking about. Um, so yeah. just, just, just caveat to you guys. We have no idea. This is hard, but also fuck investors who buy up land and then jack up prices. Book. Portia. Book. Book. So. <laughs> Move around. The point you is. great energy. Pointed so, at the book. The point is. <laughs> During World War II, people were like, let's get the fuck out of London. And they started moving into long-term We got there. Houses. Back to the book. See how she did see, it? She's see. so good at bringing it full circle. Because uh, at the end of back. these rants, I'm like, I have no idea where we are. I'm going to bed. So, <laughs> so Mr. Grant had said, hey, dude died. He killed in sus- suspicious circumstances. And he was investigating Lee Hampton. And he said, NRM. Right. I did that. Song Sushi. I did the Lee Hampton thing. That was me. It's your fault. So NRM Song Sushi. Song Susie. And then the cat. <laughs> Song and like, Susie. And the person said Song Susie, like anglicized. But then they were interpreting that they meant Song Susie, which Song I'm Susie. probably gonna mispronounce. Right, which is some French way of saying on the beach or some shit. But anyway. It's a it's a house. In Lee Hampton. She's not francophobic. She just doesn't know. No. Uh, no, no, no. I love France. <laughs> French, however. It's hard. Pisses me off. Mostly because I studied Spanish. And then when I listen to Spanish or Portuguese or Italian, I'm like, this makes sense. And then I listen to French and I go, What? Yeah, French is hard, but I don't know if you can be... I mean, you... It's more because... Just like your toddlers, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, being mad at a language doesn't... Like, it's like, your native language is English, which is the worst one to learn. Like, it's the language, worst. So, like, it's the worst. Oh, yeah. To be Anybody, mad at a language... Everyone who comes here and learns you. English is amazing because I English is terrible. I hear you that you're mad at French. And I also... I just recently got to go to France and um, struggled with... And, I, you know, I... I Speak Spanish fairly well. I regularly. I could work. read French easily. I can't even that. I'm just like, where are all these vowels going? What's happening here? But it looks, it looks like a Latin language. So I could be like, oh, I get there. But, um, but then they speak, and I'll be like, that's what. Yeah. So, but it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And as we were saying, like, you know, you speak Norwegian really well, and you sound so cheerful. You speak French really well, and, like, you could be cussing me out, and I'll just throw my panties at you. Like, it's just a sexy-ass language. <laughs> like, in a Friday Fisher book, the French one, in the yeah. Friday Fisher books, they tend to be, like, the Jewish one, or the Chinese one, or the French one, or whatever. So, like, in the French one, 
they're talking about this like low class terrible thing but all the words are just like panties 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 <laughs> just like so sexy every word you're just like this is like you describing the worst filth of your of your life but i'm just like all those rich words are just hot but it's, did i ever tell you the story about vivian so our aunt vivian yes but tell you have told it on the podcast but tell it again it's it's a classic do it again i have on yeah. this podcast yes but do it again. It's a good story, and like, we have no listeners. So they don't have time to go back. They have lives now. The pandemic's over. <laughs> Tell the story about Vivian and her Vladimir panties. <laughs> I've told this story on the podcast. On the podcast. I have no memory of this. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, then I'll do it a brief. So our mom traveled to Russia. She came home, and she had recordings of people in Russian from visiting it, and our Aunt Vivian who I have never thought of, I had never thought of a sexual being. I mean, she was as a, as an aunt was a very, um, uh, not puritanical, but not, not like she would be like chased <gasps> chase. Yeah. She would be like, that was very suggestive to like, a you know, but then Jenna Jackson, we're, we're, we're listening to this recording of Russian and I'm just like, it's a dude speaking Russian. My reaction and I was in and college. And this is so you guys don't know if you guys are younger than us because everyone's younger than us. But like, it was the '90s or '80s. So it was the 90s, like early '90s. We're listening to an audio tape, right? It's which an audio, is just an audio recording. Oh, you guys have seen it on the T-shirt. So a tape was <laughs> so it's just an audio recording of just like a person's voice in a foreign language, which right. is Russian. And so like all of us who are children are just like. This could not be more boring. Right. And I mean, like, it's like we had slideshows. And like slideshows were boring, but at least there was like, you could be like, this is the picture of the building. But listening this to an audio or the other building. tape is super boring. But like, and that, that was like not even regular for that time. Like at that time, like most time people would come back from a trip and make you watch their slideshow. Well, you'd be like, this is the picture of the island. Click, click, click. This is the picture of the tree on the island. Click, click. But, like, an audio recording was, like, extra our mom boring. <laughs> like, right. an extra, like, who brings back an audio recording is in a language that none of us speak to play out loud. But then Vivian listens to the audio recording of the Russian and says, oh, my God, that is so sexy. And, and I, I don't know if she said that, but, like, she did the thing where she was just, like, again, we're kids. You're in college, and I'm whatever. I'm young, but, like, so, like, she's, like, fanning herself, and, like, you know, she's getting all hot and whatever. She's and you're getting just hot like, and bothered. And it's, like, really? I'm, like, right? It was just, like, and, we like. We have never talked about this on the definitely talked about the podcast. definitely talked about the We have never talked about this. I was, like, if her kids listen to this, which they won't because they have lives. We have never talked we about this. Definitely talked about really? this. Podcast. <laughs> Kat, when you get there, will you tell? Will you write and tell me that I'm right? That we talked about. We have trade. never talked about we this. We talked about it on the podcast. We it's our second Vivian this. thinks Russian is sexy story. <laughs> we have never talked about this. Wait, so you brought it up? Why? We were talking about French being sexy. You said, but I was thinking, you think I'm French an editor, is sexy. so I listen back, which is why I know these things. You said that French is sexy, and then Vivian thinks that... Thought that... And, and I remember thinking, because like, to me, Russian is not a sexy language. It was definitely And Norwegian... Not. This is why I remember we talked about this before, because Norwegian, the more... 
you get it correct, you just sound um, extremely friendly. You lose got no drinker, you know, like it's just like like you just go Swedish chef, and it's just like you couldn't cussle it out in Norwegian. I mean, you can, but it would just sound like why are you so aggressively happy at me? You know, like it's just like. But, like, yeah, so Russian doesn't sound sexy to me. And French sounds sexy even when someone's, when they're describing, like, this is the filth of the dirt and there's rats in it. And I'm just like, all of this word sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, like, in the most I'm trying to think of any language sounds as sexy to me as you think French sounds and, and Vivian thought Russian sounds. I don't know. I don't think I think. The I'm, last time we talked about this, you said Spanish. I mean, Spanish is pretty sexy. I really don't remember talking about that. I remember, I can't remember the, the context, but there was something like where someone was talking, like making, you know how people make Spanish jokes about like, whatever, but like someone was like, you could just read a Spanish textbook and maybe like, cuando yo nadaba. And it's just like, you know, when I was swimming, you're like, ooh, who said that? <laughs> <laughs> like Spanish is just also, both French and Spanish are just French, sexy at baseline. They are. But like Portuguese, eh, Italian, eh. Italian's pretty sexy. I we it's are like almost an hour in and we've gotten like five <laughs> we, pages in. We into shouldn't the book. be allowed to record this person. We're worse than <laughs> At least I'm awake. <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> okay, we have to get back to it. Okay, okay. So you did note the time. Should we should we pause here for a non commercial break? Yes, and then we're actually going to talk about the book. She's clapping. At the end of her, uh, the end of her <laughs> words, getting serious. We're actually going to talk about the book. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, but are we going to pause? Okay, we're now going to pause for a break. Yes, what she said. <laughs> okay, we're back from break, and we're focused. We're going to actually talk about the plot of the book. She's clapping while she talks. She's <laughs> no, talk. I am serious. focused. I am focused. <laughs> Micro machines. Book plot go. Okay. So they're supposed to go to Lee Hampton. No, Tommy's supposed to go to Lee Hampton. Stay at Song Susi and see if there's going to be a, a German agent sent by Hitler called NRM because of the earlier guy who found this out. And N is a woman or M is a man. Anyway, the point is, it could be a woman or a man, N or M. So that's his job. That's the the thing. Tommy, go to this house and figure out who N N or M is and if they're a girl or a boy. And so Tommy goes to Scotland for a second. And like for four days, he goes and gets training on this undercover persona and like what he did da 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 is supposed to be Mr. Meadows da 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 and yeah, um, he memorizes his profile memorizes that. he goes he meets the he comes and meets the proprietress because we have to have different names for women and men at this time okay uh, oh, I don't want a side note <laughs> okay small side note not small to get side. super distracted you got mad about this in one of the Friday books and I was like I'm pretty sure in the version of English that these books are using, the correct suffix, like as, as a linguist, as a per- I'm not a linguist, but as a person who likes languages and has studied languages, my, my undergrad did have some linguistic studies. 
I think in the version of English that they were using, the correct suffix for a woman doing a thing was s. So an address. Right. Proprietress. And so like... I, I just processed this when you got mad in one of the Franny's books about someone being an editress. <laughs> and I was like, actually, I think that, like, it's kind of like, because I like to learn languages. And so, like, it's sort of like when you learn, like, the right. suffix for this of that language is a woman who does that thing is S or or if it's a man. And that fell out of fashion or, and, and common usage in the in their modern English, so that someone's an editor would editor if they're a man or a woman, right? But the, I think the original English language rules were or for man and s for woman. Uh, no, I, I and I get that, but I'm just saying I I because I, I, it sounds really stupid when we put, you know, proprietress as opposed to proprietor or editress as opposed to editor or even actress. As opposed to actor, because they're all actors, right? But I, but I, I think that was an English language rule, and I'm not saying that like I know. not erasure of the non-binary people and categorizing people by their all blah 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 all the things. But I'm just saying I think that was an original language rule that they were I, using I understand by the time. That. But, but I, I processed it recently, and I had this thing when you text me that in a, in like a moment of rage about her being an editress, and I was like, because eh. I was just in the middle of a Norwegian lesson, and I was like. Suffix for that. At that no, time. I I agree, but I guess because when we start making divisions by gender, because like in ASL, like you do a a verb and then it's like person who, like you do this after a verb and like that means person who, mm-hmm. but in a lot of languages, there's nouns are gendered, right? And then like right. Yeah. the the person who does the thing, like the the, the then the verb is like. You know, I am an editor and an address depending on my gender, just by, based on the, like the historical I rules of that language. I understand that. So, anyway. but it sounds stupid in modern, modern English, and it's not inclusive. And I, uh, I also agree with that. Okay. It's the proprietress. The pie, proprietress. Thank you. Back of to my machine. is Mrs. Ms. Perenna, and meets Tommy in his persona as Mr. Meadows, and negotiates with him and. He goes away and comes back, and he was staying at a hotel in Lee Hampton and whatever, and he comes back, and then she's like, let me introduce you to everyone who's staying at my house. So there's, like, apparently a huge woman named Mrs. O'Rourke, um, a younger woman named Mrs. Sprout, who has a two-year-old named Betty. Yes. There's Mr. and Mrs. Cayley. There's an old lady... Who Miss Marple? So well. Who is Miss like Minton? Um, there is Colonel Belchley. Minion. Minton. On your notes, there's no T. You wrote this. Notes. It's Minion. It's Minion. Okay. Yeah, like like. I added a T like in my goggles. head. I added a T in my head. Okay. Um, uh, Sprout Colonel Belchley. It's Belchley, not Bletchley. Like, is it Belchley or Belchley? Betchley. Betchley? By the notes, Betchley. Betchley. Okay. Bletchley. Bletchley. Okay, whatever. Dude named Colonel Bletchley. Bletchley something. Major. Major. What? I'm looking at your notes! Oh, Major. It's right. Major. Major Bletchley. Because <laughs> it's Commander. Okay, yeah. And then, dun da da da, he's introduced to Mrs. Blakenslop. Blakenslop? Blakenslop. 
What the hell is that name? <laughs> That's not in the notes, so now I gotta go back to my notes that I added. Black and slop. Black and sop. Now we have had a lot of wine. <laughs> Black and sop. <laughs> S-O-P, Blackensop. It's not a name. It, it was it racist. Am I being racist? But that's not a name. Of course it's not a name. <clears throat> Blackensop. Blackensop, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> My room sheets again. I'm sorry. It's just a stupid name. <laughs> and I apologize if that's your name and you're listening to this. That's not being racist. That's probably a great name. But oh, I, 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 we forgot also. Um, Googling the history of Blake We for, forgot Carl Van Denning. But that's the only one. Um, so anyway, but Mrs. Blackensop. It's a surname of British origin. It's a real name. Turns out to be Tuppence. Here's the thing, going back an hour. Just clapping again. Fucking <laughs> up. Oh yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a British name, and you can't be racist against British people because they're the colonialists of everywhere. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can. But, can you? But they're the colonists of everywhere. Like, like who who has power over that? No one. But anyway, the point is, <laughs> sandwiches go. So he meets everybody in the house. And then he's like, oh, that's my wife pretending not to know me. I'm knitting over right. there. Right, because it turns out Look an hour up. ago. <laughs> She's like cows because I'm pointing at her with my fingers. So, so when Mr. Grant showed up at their house and was just chit-chatting, Tuppence was like, all this bullshit. You're going to say something to him and not to me. So she, when she went to go get the sherry, back to our little side random about sherry, she went to the next apartment and used the phone to call her friend and said, Hey, call me and call me in 10 minutes and to pretend that shit had happened. And And this was the question I had. Okay. And it's not even like a it's it's a it's a lowercase question that Amanda has about the plot. Mm-hmm. And sort of about Tommy as a character because as the guy comes in and like is like, oh, I'm glad your wife is gone because it's really secret, super agent spy shit. And Tommy's like, well, you know, I'm kind of not that brainy. Like he says, I don't know how he says it, but he basically says that like he's not smart and not good at that stuff. And, you know, and then the book demonstrates how Tumpins is. Right. That all tracks. But, like, I have people who are not brainy in my life. None of them that I know of have the self-awareness 
or identity to be like, I'm a super nice person, but I'm not brainy. I don't, none of the non-brainy people in my life are like, I'm not brainy. Are you sure I'm the person you want? Mm. I don't know anyone. I mean, I have friends, and it's funny because I have friends that like, uh, please don't send hate mail to primalwoodpodcast.gmail at gmail.com. That's primalwoodpodcast.gmail.com, not to send hate mail to. But like, I have, Bianca and I are really into astrology, and it's like, I have two categories of Libras, of like smart Libras and simple Libras, and like dad was a simple Libra. Where it's like, I like parties. I get hurt when people don't come to my parties. That's my whole personality. <laughs> and I know friends like that. And then there's like smart Libras and that's worse because they have like a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> so you're saying that Tommy had more but, self-awareness? I just don't know of a person who is not smart and is like, hey, you know what? I'm not smart. <laughs> I'm not the guy for this. Well, but I... Do you I, know a person like that? Well, I've never been in England. And in her books, there are several British guys who are like, I got this going for me, but I don't have that. And they would say, you know, like, they would be like, I'm really good at this, but... Right, when the guy comes in, he's like, I'm ugly. When they, like, right, like, I guess it, like, it could be that in that culture, and they're like, and it's funny, I've been listening to the, um, Freakonomics series on, like, American exceptionalism, and sort of, like, what's weird about American culture, so maybe it's just unique to our culture that, like, you're unable to see your own flaws, and maybe, um, in that culture or other cultures, people can be like, I'm tall, but I'm not... Yeah, bending down. I'm smart, but but I'm not pretty. British people have this weird, like, conquering the world, but I'm not good at social niceties. Like, you know, like, there's a lot... We definitely, they're right. In the Agatha Christie books, there's definitely guys who are like, I'm a nice guy, but I'm not that attractive. I'm super rich, but I'm not that smart. I, I, I conquered the world in India... But I don't know how to shake hands or the right fork to use. They definitely have done this kind of like... And so maybe that... So the question is then for uh, the audience at Paro... To answer at ParoPodcast at gmail.com. That's ParoPodcast at gmail.com. This one episode is going to have... We're going to have like so many from this one episode and no one else from any other episode. No, there was definitely... I I gave it before, which is why Kat reached out to us. Thank you, Kat. Anyway... Um, no, the question is, is that true for British culture or was that just Agatha reaching? Because she reaches also. Well, yeah, and I, that's a so good that's question. So that's a question, and we don't, that's not we our culture. Know. Because I just don't know anyone in my, I have friends, and it's funny because I definitely have friends who I figured out were like, oh, you have this degree, but you're not a smart person. I had to figure that out. Like, you know, right. and, 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 and so that's what, you know, so, so it's like, like, I just don't know people who are just like, I mean, yeah. I'm pretty and I have this whatever but like I'm not smart I just don't know anyone who would say that out of their mouth right because I feel like most brains and maybe again maybe again this is because I'm Amer- I'm acculturated in the American culture and we're, is that we're all like about American exception that the brain is like I'm smart because I'm thinking in the brain that I have so in the brain right. that I have I'm the, I have good logic right yeah I mean it's an interesting question because because the way he was just like 
I mean, are you sure you want me? Because I don't really know about that. You know, like, it's just like... I love how you gave him a southern accent. Just been doing and maybe that. that's... Because, right, like, that's probably the only... And I think even that stereotype of me going southern with that probably is based on right. someone pretending to be dumb. Like, right? right? Like, that, that southern stereotype is probably based on a black person pretending to be dumb so that they could get out of a sticky situation. Right, When right. they really did understand it. But it's interesting because Tommy and Tuppence were always a partnership. Right, and, and that's why, saying, and that really sets up in terms of the book if we just accept that he's not smart and he's self-aware of being not smart and has had his uh, better help with online therapy. <laughs> <laughs> also, as a sponsor of us yet. They're not a sponsor. We have no sponsors. <laughs> We don't make any money. But he's had enough therapy through whatever service that works for him. Um, he's had enough therapy to be like, I'm not smart at this, but I'm okay with that. I'm not angsty. I'm not like, oh, I'm defensive about not being smart. He's like, I'm just not smart. But the point of the book is that like he and Tuppence have to be a team. Right. Because he, she gets on a, and like it just happens in the book. She gets kind of stuck on a tangent. And because he thinks he's not smart, he can kind of see the bigger picture. Like, they're always a good team. They're a great team. And that happened in every book. In every and so the point, the pull-through of this is, like, he wouldn't have been successful on his mission if she hadn't snuck her way there. Right. So he gets to Sang Su Si, and she's been there for three days because she didn't have to go through the government training of the fake right. ID. She's Mrs. Blankensop. She just made it up. And then they have this whole conversation, which was hilarious, where he's like, Blinkensop, and she's Which like, is the same conversation that we had. <laughs> you know, I was like, like, no, I'm not Blinkensop. You're like, yes, Blinkensop. Oh, I'm Tommy. Oh, I'm the one who's dumb and doesn't know it. Oh, self awareness happens right now. She but, is the smart one. But I'm the, the dumb point one. is, does that she, mean I'm good looking? No, oh, she, shush. Let me finish the points. I'm, I'm clapping my. She's clapping at you, man. I'm clapping my hands while talking. <laughs> I'm clapping my hands. <laughs> but the point is, he's like, what the hell is Blankensop? And she's like, my real name is Prudence Beresford. My underwear has PB on them. Right. Because while her, we so call her she's, Prudence. She, she had her real That's her is, nickname. Her real name is Prudence. And she's like, but... So then, with Prudence uh, Beresford, now she could be Patricia Blankensop. Because it was a thing to have your initials embroidered on. And, well, and then he makes fun of that. Because he's like, she's like, why are you Mr. Meadows? And he was like, well, A, I don't have PB initialed on all my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> he's only making fun of that. Like, what? Um, but also, Yeah, like, because you're not doing it in the public laundry. Why do you need to have your initials on things? Right. I know, right? But anyway, um, so she went with the same. And then she gave herself two ex-husbands and three sons. Well, no. One, she was, I think, twice widowed, not ex-husband. Which oh, is, yeah, I right. Mean, twice and widowed. I... But two husbands and three sons. And he was like, dude, you've made this more complicated. And he's not wrong. Well, and, that, and the, the thing I texted you today when we were re reading this to prepare for today is that her character is not like her personality. So there's times when she steps out and like gives someone advice and she's like, oh no, I shouldn't have said that because like my character wouldn't have said that. And then her character is bad at knitting, 
But actual Tumpins is really good at knitting because that was the whole plot at the beginning. She was bored and had nothing to do with knit, so she was really good at it. And he and was so, like, you can knit. And she's like, I can do this when I'm in my 60s. I'm in my 40s. I don't have to knit now. And so there's times when, like, she's supposed to be bad at knitting, and then she forgets and gets goes fast and does it smoothly or whatever. And the people are like, oh, I thought you were bad at this. And then she was like, oh, just kidding. I'm bad at this again. It's like, why would your character, again, we, yeah, not I don't understand. be good at knitting? I was like, why would, like, again, I... I Easy for me to say, but if I'm making a fake spy character of me, I'm gonna make the character like five foot ten. Like, right. just make the character. You, you. Look big and shorter. Why <laughs> just being yeah. stupid the whole time? Like, right. Like, if I if I speak Spanish, I should speak Spanish, or not. Unless I'm pretending not to speak Spanish, to like because I'm an undercover agent and I'm just right. Like, right. I don't know what's happening here. What? But like, I shouldn't. Actually if if I have a skill, I should... Side note, it's one of my favorite things is because most people assume that I can't understand them. And I can understand... I mean, because you saw, Mom was babbling in Norwegian this evening. And I was like, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Um, so the point is, Tommy says, I'm not the... Letters in the underwear. <laughs> right. So when, when, when he gets alone with... Tuppinson's like, hey, how'd you figure this out? And he, she had done the whole sneaky thing. So she could pretend. And she was like, I'm not going to let you do this without me. And then B, he's like, why is this your name? And she's like, because my underwear has PV on it. Okay, so now let's micromachine it between here and the solution. So right. we're still, okay, so to set the stage again, because we've been rambling, you might have missed it. Speaking of being bad at languages, with ours is English, which we're bad at. So, we're in a guest house. Tommy and Tumpence are pretending to not know each other. They decide that the best plot, again, they, meaning Tumpence decides, because she's the brains of the operation, and Tommy's like, I'm stupid and I'm fine with that. I have questions there. But she decides that the, that the scenario is, I'm a two-time uh, widow who's after you now. Right, pursuit. She and said so it makes pursuit. sense when they're talking sometimes, but mostly like... Because if they're out in public and they're talking, they're always going to have the... He was out and she's pursuing them. So they're right, playing so then people can, on... People can be like, oh, look, she's after you, blah, blah, blah. Right, and it's, it, and it's really interesting because she was like, there's an age-old thing of the pursued man, and he is a... His character is a bachelor, has always been a bachelor, see, in his 40s, and... No, he's a widower. Oh, he's a widower. He's a widower. I remember the thing. He's a widower, but no kids. But in a way that... Yeah. He's asexual and or in Agatha Christie world. Freddie Fisher acknowledges that there are other parts, but in Agatha Christie world, you're either asexual or... Yeah, so he's like a harassed bachelor, like harassed widower. Right, like, and, but leave me alone. she's got in her character, she's like looking for another husband. The, the character that she creates for them, which makes sense, right? And it works. So that way, there can be a story for the people in the house when they see them together. It's not like oh, they're clearly and a married couple of spies. To, if they're having a conversation, it's always her trying to reach him and him trying to get away. Right. So that, but they could have moments where they're having conversations with each other. Yeah, which was a really smart 
It was Strategy. excellent. So she came up with all of that. So so that's the scenario. And so now it's like we have to go through figuring out who in this guest house is in Ender M. Right. And so they have all these freaking scenarios. The whole thing. The only person who's suspicious is uh, the German refugee, Carl Van Diem. And we didn't mention he was supposed to be a German refugee. So everyone suspects him because he's German. And, and then he's not Jewish, about but he's a refugee. So they're him. like, is he a fake refugee? Is he a real refugee? He's supposed to be a scientist and his right. people is were he killed. Is a spy? But also, they were talking about how every German refugee is going to be interned. And as an American, I was interested in that because, of course, we interned every single Japanese-American, recent or otherwise. But we didn't do anything about Germans. Oh, so did they do that to German-Americans as well? Nothing about Germans or Italians. No. Side note, because also the Italians. Racism. Um, but we we did intern the Japanese Americans, and um, but I didn't think about what they did to German refugees in Britain. Like I'd never thought about that. I just knew yeah. what we did, um, and so. Uh, but there was talk about it, and then at some point in, during the story, they did decide to intern the German refugees, and they did arrest Carl later mm-hmm. but that was later on but so he was always kind of under suspicion right and not really by the book but by the people in the book like and interestingly the, enough, the book took a perspective to be like well yeah obviously the people who are like damn Germans blah 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 so like and then Tommy and as, a, as a reader you weren't guided to to suspect him Tommy and Tuppence, happily married couple in their 40s. In the household was Carl Van Diemen, Dienem, Dienem, whatever, who was in his 20s. And we meet a little bit later, Mrs. Perenna, daughter Sheila, also in her 20s. So they're the only super young people. people. I mean, Mrs. Brown is kind of young. Um, but Sheila and Carl are kind of young people, and they're into each other. But also, Tommy and Tuppence are attracted, and I don't mean attracted in a creepy way, but like, Tommy has conversations with Sheila, and Tuppence has conversations with Carl. So opposite gender. No, you're definitely right. Um, Where they have empathy and can see their side and all the things you're doing. And so they're both suspicious because they're trying to find the spies. And so they're like, well. You don't is... see a, you don't think that person's a spy because they're young and. and but they're both and suspicious of the, of of the uh, gender that you're attracted to and young and hot. But they're, they're both suspicious and defensive at the same time of the these young people. Um, That's what I'm saying, but like. Tommy's more suspicious of the woman and, and Tuppence is more yeah, suspicious and, of the man. But I, and I don't think it was uh, sexual attraction as much as it was... Um, I do think it was opposite gender attraction. I don't think it was sexual. But I think it was maternal, paternal, something. Some. Okay. Listeners, Amanda's looking for cookies. She found cookies. More gluten-free cookies. (laughs) 
there was there was sneaking, there was gingering, there was quietly opening. I just gotta tell you, she's looking for cookies. She found cookies. Well, I like where she ate all the the earlier cookies, and I was like, I don't need cookies. I'm an evolved human, and then I'm like, I need all the cookies. So the gluten free, not a thin mint. These are not thin mints. These are not according. These the the Girl Scouts cannot sue. Totally not thin mints. Mm. Anyway, um, so there's a period of time where Tommy talks to Sheila, and she's like, "Fuck all of you guys and your I want to fight in the war patriotism." Because my dad followed an Irish rebel during the First World War and was killed as a as a uh, treasonous. Because during the First World War, there was a group of Irish people fought against Britain on the side of England, uh, on the side of Germany, not because they were for Germany, but because they were against Britain because Britain colonizers, yada, yada, they were put to death. And so then Sheila and her mom changed their names. Now, the reason why I never suspected Sheila is that she admitted this to Tommy on like day one. So if she's supposed to be a spy and her mom's supposed to be a spy, she's terrible at it. So I always, the rest of the book, he's like, maybe it's her mom. I was like, no. Her mom would never let her daughter just be like, and then this, 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 this. No, she would be much more well trained. Oh. And then Carl, Carl Van Diem. Sorry, I have not a thin mint in my mouth. <laughs> was um, living in the house, German refugees, family went to concentration camp, anti Nazi. Um, he was walking with Tuppence, and somebody walked by him and said, I bet that guy's a German, and he reacted in a visceral, like, fuck you kind of way, and Tuppence broke character. I oh. said, my dear boy, you can't have it both ways. Your hair's a refugee, but you can't expect the average man on the street to distinguish between the Germans we're supposed to hate and a German refugee. And I was listening to that today, and I was thinking about that as that is really interesting, and it probably just comes down to like war being bad. But it's sort of like, as we talked about, there's simple people and there's people with complex thoughts. And so, if we take the average person to be a person who's simple, and they take the campaign of the country or their side of the country as it is now. We're not at war, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, you want it to be, like, to, them to be able to be like, oh, humans are one thing, but we're against this country. And that's like, you know, like, we know that, like, since the beginning of time, wars are about have everybody be on, like, go team A, blah, blah, blah. All right, it's a tribal, like... Right, to go tribal, and, like, we are team. wired for that. But... And so, you know, is it is it that we should be more evolved in being tribal, or is it just that, like, we should stop having wars and being tribal? <laughs> well, there's that. But also, like, 
Um, and then there's another scene with her and him where, don't tempt me. No, no. Okay, I'll take Portia it. Portia is not being tempted by the... Uh, okay, there's two. What, what is not a Thin Mint is it's actually the Goody Girl I'm... brand. Brought to you by, soon to be sponsored by brand Goody Girl. <laughs> uh, which provides a, a gluten-free... I love your like, <laughs> radio voice. <laughs> We're just having greater conversations, and suddenly she'll be like, I'm on the Truman Show. (laughs) This Ovaltine is great. (laughs) You are. You're being the the wife of the Truman Show. You're totally being the wife of the Truman Show. What the fuck are you doing? There's cameras throughout this. I live on a reality show. You're just like a guest star. But you know, me and I always do that at home. We're like, some one of us will like look at the cameras and we're like, wait, are there cameras in here? We're like, did you hear that? <laughs> and one or the other of us will be like, are there actual cameras? Am I being punked right now? Is that still a show? <laughs> okay, back from non sponsored segment. Oh okay. While we eat cookies. Okay. Um, They're all gone now. So, they've eaten a lot of cookies. <laughs> There's another pack of chocolate chips that just gets your window. There's a whole other pack. Chocolate chip cookies. You've heard my story about the my, my non-chipped cookies of sadness. So when you said that, I was like, you had the chocolate chips that I needed. Did you hear the story? No. Okay, I'm so sorry, listeners, but I have to tell this story. So, Porsche and I were going through a lot, and I was having a moment where I was going to eat my feelings, and Porsche and I have allergies. We have the same genes. And so I'd gone to the store, and I bought a gluten-free chocolate chip cookie dough mix and health ice cream. Went to the Target by our mom's house. Why'd you get health ice cream? I told this story. I can't. I must have just been to Chris. You, I don't know where you. I don't know because I was gonna be healthy. I was like, oh, at least I'll have this health ice cream anyway. So I I get back to my mom's house and I'm looking around for the cookie pan and a mixing bowl and wash them out all the things. And then I put the mix in the bowl. There's no freaking chips in the mix, which makes sense from it. Like, removed Amanda, resourced Amanda can say that makes sense from an allergy perspective. Because this is the most, like, I have more than Portia has in terms of it comes to, like, uh, allergies. I have all the allergies. She has all the allergies. And so it's like, this is just oat flour and baking soda or something, right? There's nothing in this, right? But and so why did it say chocolate chip cookie? Because because the chips could have whatever you can't have in it, right? Maybe you're allergic to chocolate or whatever's in the chocolate. So the chocolate chips were not in the mix. So I got there and I'm I the the mix was already in the bowl. I had already defro like I'd already like melt like uh softened in the microwave the butter. Mm-hmm. There's no chips in the mix. And I was like, well, this is my life now. <laughs> So I made chipless <laughs> cookies, which were already gluten-free. 
Aww. I mean, with butter. The butter was real. I can have dairy. Thank <laughs> the Lord. Thank, you know, Aww. all the gods for that. But it was just like, so I I had, like, I, I, what I ended up eating, serving myself was like two chipless cookies <laughs> with health health vanilla on top. And I was just like, this is like, like if you told someone about dessert and they tried to recreate it in like another country or another planet and you were just like, yeah, sort of. <laughs> and I'm getting, this was at an eating my feelings moment. It was like, I need to eat my feelings. And I was like, you know, this is what you deserve. This is the eating feelings <laughs> Eating your feelings is not a healthy response. Oh, I'm not tell you this. I can't believe I didn't tell you this immediately. I literally was like, and again, once that, once you read the fine print of the box, it's like, feel free to add chips or raisins or whatever fits your allergy profile. And I was like, from an allergy perspective, this makes sense. But on the box, there was black dots in the middle of the cookie or brown dots in the middle of the cookie. So I just bought it, and I was like, already late at night, already just like, that was that one night when I was like, I'm not going to come back here, I'm going to stay at mom's house, blah, blah, blah. I went by Target, bought that, and then I got back there, and I was like, okay, well, I'm still going to eat these. And I ate some of the dough <laughs> in protest, and I ate some of the, I ate two cookies oh, with cold ice cream on top, and I was just like, well, it's so <sighs> like eating your feelings. <laughs> laugh i'm sorry <laughs> no you should laugh these are first world problems these are still oh, not God. problems no no but i our our mother's going through cancer treatment we're trying to there's a lot of things going on this is not a first world problem this is a but you thought you were gonna have chocolate chip cookies and you had chipless cookies <laughs> and they were chipless and already gluten free and i was just like the amount of joy left in these cookies is so minimal. And I, like, I didn't even get the freaking briars or the freaking, like, you know, like. You didn't even get real ice cream. I know. Oh. It was literally like keto, blah, 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 blah. Well, and it was, it was fine. The, 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 the ice cream was fine. But I get it because I was like, I don't trust myself. I'll probably eat too much of this. So I'll get the healthy version. Which, the, honestly, the ice cream was fine. I didn't taste the difference. No complaints okay. there. I don't, again. I'll look up the brand and, and add an insert later for whatever brand that is. It is delightful. <laughs> did you hear her voice change again? Listen, did you hear her voice change? She all of a sudden was like, and now I'm doing my, I'm doing my sexy selling voice. It <laughs> was freaking, it was like, oat flower. And like, someone would like text me the next morning, like, how are you doing? And I was like, I had gluten-free chip-free cookies <laughs> as my comfort food. I'm fine. <laughs> I was like, just fine. <laughs> I just wanted to eat my feelings and then my feelings were like, no. no. And again, I didn't choose exercise my feelings. I should have chosen talk to a therapist about my feelings. I wanted to eat them. <laughs> uh, tonight I'm doing wine for my feelings and that's way wine. better. And Really good, not thin mints. Brought to you by Goody Girl. <laughs> no, seriously, you have to do shadow. What is that? Oh, these and these have like these fit all my allergies. These Goody Girl cookies. Goody Girl mint cookies. Goody Girl mint cookies are not in no way associated with the Girl Scouts. Um, and thin mints, but they are so good. And they contain so none of my allergens, which is many. 
And yeah, she seriously has a lot of allergies, but they are so good. Yeah, they're so good. So good. We're, we, okay, I gotta tell you, we've bought like four boxes of these. My mom. We're is, trying to get her mom to gain weight. We, we, bought, we, <laughs> we bought them for my mom going through cancer treatment because she's supposed to try to eat them to gain weight. We have eaten all of them. <laughs> all of them. Four boxes. The first one was all Amanda. Second was all me. <laughs> this one was a combination. Shared. <laughs> Actually, maybe it's just three boxes. But she's not eating these. She's not eating these. They're so good, though. It's worth it for us. Okay, you gotta you gotta care for the caregiver. Is that a thing? <sighs> um, mm. goody girl, care for the caregiver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where were we talking about a book? Where were the? Where are we leaving? I don't think so. <laughs> this podcast is about us complaining about gluten free foods. <laughs> Welcome to Gluten Free Podcast. Welcome back. <laughs> allergy oh, allergy oh, pod. Oh. Allergy pod. Tommy and Thomas. No, allergy pod is the worst. <laughs> you know when SNL had that like we're on. Um, what's the one where they made fun of like? We're talking about cooking? Oh, yeah. The sweaty balls thing? Right. What was the name of the oh show? God, That's like go. the worst. Talking about gluten-free podcasts is the worst. Welcome back. We're talking about gluten-free. Yeah, whatever. We've got to... We haven't... We've, we're less into the story than we were two months ago. Three months ago. We did. I, I was so into it I fell asleep, so I don't know if we are less. No. We had gotten further into the story. Okay. After, uh, due to our nonsense, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, take a quick water break and see if we can oh, sober well, up a little bit. I'm an official voice. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, man. Why do you like my mushroom voice? Okay, listeners. <laughs> due to our nonsense, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, we're, we're gonna back. actually talk about books. We're here. We're, we're talking back. About we're books. super focused. We're super focused. We're not gonna talk about cookies or housing <laughs> or exes or all of the things. We're gonna Shade. talk about uh, this Fine. book because I actually I'm annoyed because I love this book. Okay, so back to the book. So we're at a guest house. Tommy's staying there under official British orders, but like official and official, this tape will self-destruct if anything happens. No one. But no also, one Mr. You. Grant had said, you come in because we're afraid of fifth column. And if you've never heard of fifth column, it's a term that means... I hadn't. There are people who are spying from within. It basically means traitors from within. So the reason why Tommy was like, why do you want me? I haven't been in the game for years. Mr. Grant was like, we want you because you haven't been in the game for years. Oh, well played. Yes, you're right. And so we need people who can, like, nobody would suspect you because you haven't been in the game for years. No one knows your name. Yeah. All that stuff. And then Tuppence, who, like, snuck in even more unofficially. So Tommy is a little bit unofficial. And then Tuppence is, like, super unofficial. But at his first meeting with his supervisor... Yeah, in the place. He's like, 
going over the cast of characters of people who are in the guest house. And he's like, and this person is my wife, Tuppence. And the person is like, I told you not to tell her. And he's like, I didn't, but she's a smarty and she figured it out and she's here. And he was like, ah, Mr. Carter told me not to leave her out of this. Right. And that was awesome because originally Mr. Carter was like, don't leave her out. And Grant, in a sexist 1940s way, was like, we're just going to ask the man. And then Tuppence was like, no. Did it anyway. Like, and, hell you are. And what's interesting is that now that we've been reading the Franny Fisher books, which are written in the 90s and the 2000s, you would say out loud, it's because of sexism or misogyny. In this one, they didn't even say it out loud. Tuppence just was like, you discounted me, so I'm going to do it anyway. But she right. didn't say, because you are sexist. Like, she didn't finish the rest of the sentence. She just did it anyway. So As, um, as influencers, I like to move into saying in the 90s and the, the noughties. In, in, in the British podcast, they call the 2000s the noughties. They do? Yeah, because it's like the knots, the noughties. Can we can we make that a thing? No, she's not. She's not buying this, guys. <laughs> I've never wait. But the two thousands. It's so stupid. But we're already in the twenty twenties, right? So it'll be like the noughties, and then the tens, and then the twenties. The noughties. So that was the nineties, and then the noughties. Do you prefer the two thousands? Every just, time when I'm, you say the two thousands, I hear like. Conan O'Brien going like, in the <laughs> It's truly true. Oh my god. And then I see Suzanne oh, laughing and then so I die. True. Like I That's so true. But also the nineties and then the naughties? No, you're not buying this? I'm I'm having trouble. Okay. To the to the listenership, um, I recently uh, spiraled into my friends have been amazing in supporting me in like listening and like things to consume for nonsense and like one of those things was it's dot 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 Wagatha Christie. And if you're not aware of it's dot 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 Wagatha Christie it's a British podcast based on the drama between two wags, which is a term for wife and girlfriend, of prominent soccer players, football players in England, like like posh base, posh spice right. types. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. this whole drama and lawsuit and the whole thing, and like it was so good to listen to during like all of these things that you and I are going through because it's like I care so little about all of this. <laughs> Right, and it's like in a British accent. It's like the hits me in that Father Brown, like you know, in the in the, this lane. Um, but when they're talking about the, when they're explaining the circumstances, they refer to the two thousands, and which is the era where these like women developed their feud as the noughties. So I'm like, yeah, it was knots as of zero zero, not. Jeez. Who should see her face? She's not buying this <laughs> at all. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm not. She's not buying it. Okay. I'm not okay. It. Okay. We, that was a we're fail. trying to not lose focus. Swing and miss. <laughs> okay. I'm not buying it. Okay. okay. The point so, is. The point is. Tommy and Tumpins are both staying in this guest house, and like so. We have, we already talked about all the characters. Yeah. So they're there trying to figure out, is this person? I think this person's great. 
Well, that's just because you're sexually attracted to them, and they're a young version of the person that you're attracted to. And like, right. no, is this so we talked about blah, blah, blah. The, the Carl and Sheila thing, right? Yeah. So there was that, and then and then there's like, is it the woman who owns the guest house, and like maybe it's that. Is it the really heavy woman who has an Irish accent? I don't know why they were suspicious of her for a while. There was a bunch of right. blah blah blah, um, but and then um, so. Tommy does nothing. No offense. <laughs> I mean, it's what he said. He's like, you know who I am. I but Tuppence is like, I'm going to do the things. So she talks about her three fictional sons who are in, one's in the Air Force, one's in the Navy, and one's in the Army. Like, she literally makes one of each, just because. And she even had the whole thing worked out because her last name is, as we talked about at length, Blankensop. But... Their last name, because that was her second husband, their last name is Hill. So, right. like, anyone checking up on, on her situation would be like, yeah, there's so-and-so Hill, of course. It's right. such a common name. Like Hall. Right, exactly. So, then, um, she says that she gets letters from them, and then they have codes that says where they are stationed, which... Even I have gotten letters from friends who were stationed in Iraq in the early 90s that Not couldn't... the 90s? <laughs> the 90s. Literally the 90s. The 1990s in Iraq letters. <laughs> Stop ruining my moment. Duh. <laughs> but... There are certain things you can't write when you're stationed on an Air Force base or a Navy or an Army base when in war. And you can't, you can only write about some things and not others about troop placements. Da, da, da. Um, and so she says, oh, no, no, they write me where they are in code and they write a certain word and then the, the next sentence is all in code i couldn't quite understand what she was trying but her whole thing the whole thing that she's playing up is she her character is not smart and therefore bad at knitting so she fakes bad at knitting which i think that like someone could be like good at a mechanical skill and not right smart but her whole thing is there's this code i have with my sons i hope no one's i i assume no one's gonna steal state secrets if i leave these codes for my sons lying so once she's an official spy she calls mr cart mr grant and says sends me a fake letter please so he does and then she puts the fake letter she talks about the fake letter at breakfast where she's like, my son just told me something big, military secret in our special code, but no one knows it. It's so fancy. It's like and we're then Major Bletchley was like, how dare you? And she's like, I always keep them locked up, which she did in some like pretend lock thing. That's it, you know, the kind that Portia had on her diary in the. 80s. I totally did, totally did. And me and Susa and Justin broke in. And we're like, she likes the boy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we care? Why do we break it's in? It's so true. Like, who cares? <laughs> Portia likes boys. Likes a boy that we don't... Portia likes a boy that we don't know him. Right, but also, like, Portia likes boys. Also, Whoa! she's shouting that constantly at everyone, yes. I know, I was so outwardly But we definitely like... Heterosexual. I was the most outwardly heterosexual eight-year-old you've ever known. It's 
I'll look back and think, oh my god. Okay. Yeah, you're like a reverse. Like, I don't know what the opposite of demisexual is, but you're that. <laughs> I was. Like, you know, demisexual is like you need to have a connection with a person before you're. Right. I was like, I like, love boys! You were just like, boy, me, now, here. Like, you were just like, <laughs> I know. Is there a grinder of this? <laughs> <laughs> There wasn't, <laughs> which is good, because good yeah. because yeah, we're ready. So she was like, "Okay, I'm sending a fake letter from my oh, side. fake letters, yeah, oh yeah, okay, I'm focused, clapping focused." Again. <laughs> <laughs> well, the clapping is getting more and more meaningless. Okay, so, um, she's like, "I have a letter from my fake son." So she puts it, locks it. She locks it. I'm putting in quotes. There are quotes you have to say. I'm putting in quotes. I, of she course locks it. Demonstrating it. quotes. <laughs> locks right it. So she, how do we say, when we learned this in another episode that you already forgot, we say, she quote, locks quotes, it. locks it in her whatever locked thing. and But she puts an eyelash in it and um, unlocks it. And then she says, she's able to see that everyone. someone has been in there. She announces to everyone she's going to London, and then she goes to London, and then she comes back, and the eyelash that she put in the middle of the letter is gone, and also on her, the little container that she had the letter in, there was no fingerprints, because she dusted it for fingerprints, and she had left her own fingerprints. There should have been fingerprints, it should have been hers. So the point is that somebody looked at this fake letter. And it was a fake letter, so it doesn't really matter. But she knew there was somebody looking. So that was her active, because, of course, Tommy's doing nothing. Like, so for hanging out with Mater Bletchley. Um, <laughs> and Tuppence is like, okay, somebody's searching this. So then um, she mentions again that she got another letter, and it was not, didn't go through the war sensor so she got to hear a lot more she mentions that at breakfast and then tommy had a whole thing where they put something that smelled bad in his room so he's like i have to change rooms. she made him do that and then said i have hay fever and or a cold so i need to stay in bed all day but the point was he ended up in a room across the hall from her room and watched so it all day. Watch, right. And this was whole, like, Tuppence's brainchild, where it's like, okay, you're going to get moved from your room because I and put something sticky And then Carl Van Dienem went in there for 15 minutes. So there's no reason for him to go in there. So they're like, oh, shit, it's him. Um, meanwhile, um, they're trying to hang out with everybody. Tommy, uh, Tuppence heard uh, somebody picking up the phone, so she picked up the phone and she heard somebody saying... As the fo- on the fourth, as agreed, and guests carry on. And so she's like, Who was that? It was a woman's voice. She's like, Is it Mrs. Perenna? Is it Mrs. O'Rourke? And she's like, Oh my god, there's danger in the house. And then, like, the two year old Betty, I don't know how much we've talked about her, but like, Not at all. there was we this. Her as a character, but... So he just said that there's this woman who has a two year old. And um, so Betty is like a major character in the book, like, who plays, everybody plays with her, and they talk with her, and then Mrs. Sprott, Sprott, 
um, is like a young idiotic woman who's that's her daughter and when they were talking about who could be a spy and Tuppence is like it wouldn't be her because you wouldn't bring your kid into it and right. Tuppence is like okay but okay whatever but there was a little bit of skepticism but I thought Tuppence, Tuppence said that even. no Tuppence was like you wouldn't bring your kid Tommy was more skeptical okay um because I just reread that part um and but Betty hangs out with Tuppence a lot. She's a cute little two-year-old who's learning how to talk. And then one morning she's like asking Tuppence to read books, and she reads some books, and then Tuppence isn't paying attention, so she takes all of Tuppence's shoelaces and puts them in water. And Tuppence is like, "That's weird, but okay." It was one of those like, if you leave two-year-olds alone, they're gonna do things. Definitely, and, yeah. And as somebody who lives in a house with a couple of three-year-olds, yeah, they're going to do weird things. They're going to do random weird things. Which today included, I need to clip leaves off, leaves off of trees because I watched my grandmother do it a month ago. And now... And now I need to do it. But yeah. Whatever. Um, so they're like stumbling around, but they're like definitely suspicious of the... Um, German guy and then Tommy has made friends with this Major Bletchley who are doing this like I used to be in the army and everyone else sucks thing mm-hmm. you know and then they start hanging out with Commander Haydock who doesn't live at Sansuchi but lives in the town and mm-hmm. then does a whole thing like I belong to the golf club mm-hmm. and I live on this house, and I caught the Germans who were building this house, oh, who were yeah. setting it up as a, like, secret spy house, and I caught them, and I kicked them all out, and I'm the hero. And I know, so, I have this house, and blah, blah, yeah. And so, like, Tommy hangs out with these guys in a way that's like, okay, we're investigating, sure. Um, and, but they're all doing this, both Tommy and Tuppets are stumbling around for a while. Yeah. Just being like, who is guilty? I don't know. And then a couple of things happen um, to kind of like kick into high gear. Young man is in in the town of Lehampton and sees Tuppence and says, hey, Mrs. Beresford. And Tuppence is like, shit. (laughs) Yeah. That's not my cover. And he goes, I came to the house with Deborah. And she's like, shit. You're one of Deborah's friends. You're like, and he's like, what are you doing in town? Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, I'm undercover. And he's like, ooh, you are. Maybe I could help. Mm-hmm. And so that happens. And yeah, it's it's such a well written. That's what I'd say. Like as a reader, in terms of like this being Agatha Christie analysis, like it's so well written because you're kind of like, oh, don't don't trust him, but then you can't tell if she is. Like you're kind of like, is she trusting him? Is she not trusting him? Should I trust him? It's the suspense is so palpable, right? Right, because she's like, 
Because he de- definitely recognizes her as Mrs. Barris. But she doesn't recognize him. Right. So she's like, who the fuck are you? But she definitely, yeah. So, and then he's like, oh, I thought you were with Mr. Beresford in Scotland. So he, yeah, anyway. So later, spoiler, he the fact that he didn't know that Tommy, Tommy was, was in town meant that he was on the bad side. Right. So we figured that out. But anyway, so he's like, what can I do to help? And she's like, maybe you can. They, oh, we forgot to mention Albert. Oh, it's so amazing. Well, I mean, doesn't he come later? So, back in the day, with first the secret adversary and then the partners in crime. Mm-hmm. In the 20s, Albert was like a young boy who... Um, ended up working for them. as their... Ended for working for them and then like as their office boy when they were like pretend detectives in the 20s and then end up working it in their house so in the sped up timeline that is the story um albert now has a wife and kids and by the time of world war ii and so they're like tom tuppence is like we need to bring in albert because nobody knows who he is and he can like investigate on our behalf and so and then his wife and kids were going to go to the coast or something as part of world war ii so he's bored um so he comes to town and then almost immediately tommy disappears but we have to explain what happened he went to dinner with captain haydock yeah who was the dude who was a British commander hang out with Major Bletchley. They were both like former military men, colonizers, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and um, Tommy goes to have dinner with him, hangs out with him, and is like, wow, your servant is amazingly not British. Because Agatha Christie talks about this that British waiters suck. The only good waiters are French or German. She talks about this. She also does a lot of like nationalities equal personalities thing yeah, in a way that definitely. we've already talked about this. Including in this where they keep talking about Mrs. Perenna being Irish but pretending not to be Irish. And that she's Spanish and then they're like oh maybe that explains the whatever personality trait where you're just like okay. Okay. But anyway, so they were talking about this servant that Commander Haydack had, where he's like, you're definitely not a British servant because you're way too good at being a... Right. So you must be not... You must be French or German. And then... Um, something... Oh, Tommy says N or M... To test. Oh, yeah. That's when everything goes wild. He's at, um... Commander Haydock. House. Major. No, not Major Blashley. Commander oh, Haydock. Commander So he's at the house, and he's just like... I don't know if he just, like, at this moment was just like, hmm, let me see what happens. He's like, 
He just drops in or the phrase in a random conversation and the and main to see dude, if there's any reaction. And there isn't any reaction. But then the servant freaks out and spills something. Right. Um, so he goes to the bathroom to wash. No big deal. But then he's washing and he steps on a bar of soap and goes sliding across the bathroom. Hits a switch somehow. It's a secret spy. And the bathroom Indiana wall Jones opens switch. up. And he could see a wireless contraption. Which means, you know, like a radio. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like a secret spy area. And then in his brain he goes, oh fuck, this guy is the German spy. I can't get th- say that I get that. Because Tommy's good at playing dumb. So he's get, like, wait, I'm just going to play dumb and get out of here. So he's like, whoa, this isn't with the stuff that you showed me earlier. What's that? Like, he totally plays it off. Yeah. And then Commander Haydock is like, actually, I'm a British spy. Which Tommy's like, yeah, but I would have known that. Right. They would have sent me here if you were a British spy. Um, but he was like, okay, cool. And then... Let me just head on back to my guest house. And then he About leaves. time I got going. And he leaves, and there's two guys walking with him, and he's like, awesome, I'm leaving, I'm out of here, I'm good. And he walks back to Sansushi with two witnesses, turns the driveway to get to Sansushi, feeling super confident, suddenly hits in the back of the head. Bam. And he disappears. So yep. the next morning he's not there. And then the whole uh, guest house has to be alarmed because the first assumption in the guest house is not that he's been kidnapped, but that he stayed out having sex. Right. right. And so everybody gets all like, you know. Ooh, scandalous. Yeah. Scandalous. And then Tuppence has to be like, I don't think it was scandalous. I think something happened to him. In, but she has to do it in a way like... And they're like, oh, that's because you like him. Right, yeah, right. Like him. Right. But then Albert, their old... The guy who worked for him for years, starts w- looking for him and, like, walking around the area and walks up to Commander Haydock's area and is whistling a tune that was from World War One in a... Mm-hmm terrible way yeah it was like to me it was like if he was going around like in the uh remember in who framed roger rabbit when someone was like shaving when he was like shaving yeah, a haircut two like, bits. Like, roger rabbit's like six bits or whatever two right bits. yeah but yeah like it was like that where it was like he right. was going around doing this little tune and then tommy's like oh, i hear it i hear it right and tommy's locked up and has a gag over his mouth under commander haydock and but he hears Albert and he realizes it's his and he starts snoring in SOS. Yeah, he snores in, in Morse code. And then meanwhile, Tuppence is trying to be stink in undercover and figure out like Tommy's gone, what's going on, who's did it? Who hit him in the head? Because it couldn't have been Commander Haydock, because he st- was up at his house. So it had to be somebody in Sansushi. So who did it? And they're like, who was... Because she was playing um, bridge with 
Mrs. O'Rourke, Mrs. Sprout, and Mrs. Minton. Mm-hmm. Minion? Minton. Minion. There was a T in there. I swear to God, whatever. Um, but she was playing with them, and then, like, the Kayleys were there, and Mrs. Brennett. Like, who hit Tommy? Because everybody left the bridge table for a period of time. So who hit, hit Tommy in the head? So she's trying to figure that out, but also stay in character. And then this Tony guy shows up and says, Mrs. Beresford, and she's like, fuck. And then she's like, actually, Tommy isn't in Scotland. He's here, and I can't find him. So you're like, wait a minute, do you trust this guy? Right, and that's where you're freaking out. You're like, uh, don't tell him everything. I don't trust him. But she's like, Tommy's supposed to be here. I think something's supposed to happen to him. And then Tony's like, I got this. And then Tony shows up and says, I've got an opportunity for you. And there had been stories with the whole book about um, parachutists coming in. And Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. German parachutists of like, people pretending to be women who were actually men or whatever. Um, There's a lot of stories about parachutists and it's interesting because there were actually parachutists who came in during D-Day where American and British parachutists went into France as part of the D-Day. But how many parachutists actually came into England? I don't know how how much that actually happened. But anyway, there was lots of stories about it. So he says, a parachutist came in. Could you pretend to be this parachutist? And she's right, like, like, she came in, we uh, we captured her, but if you pretend to be this German woman who parachuted in, you can get into the organization and right. save your husband. And that's what this guy Tony says. And she's like, sure. Um, oh, it was the whole thing. And then she does it, and she puts in on a whole outfit, costume, like... Face, false nose, false things on her cheeks. Yeah, everything. BBL. But she keeps on her shoes. And she kicks the tires, which is going to be important later. Because apparently she had stepped into aniseed or something. Yeah. Because she knew that Tony was was full of shit. It was like the catnip version of that one Tommy and Tuppence solution. But she also... It was like the well-done version of that. She was planning to put herself out there and right. say that she was an agent already. And then Tony figured out she was an agent. And then once that happened, Albert was like, oh, I'm on this. I'm going to tell Mr. Carter. Right. So anyway, she went this whole thing and she walked. She walked really, to, really far. And then went into a room and person. she's like going to slaughter. Like, But it was a whole play acting thing where she's she's supposed to meet with these people and they're like she's supposed to be an undercover German agent so they're like but she's pretending to be a German undercover agent for Tony who's actually a pretend who's actually working for Germany and she's working for England it's a whole thing so she, well, walks, like, so she meets these people and it's like well you walk into the room and you're like I don't know the secret code so she's just like they're like but do you want to order for dinner and she's like the clock strikes at midnight. Yeah, right. German well, accent, jazz hands. <laughs> but then she sits down and she's waiting. And then Commander Haydock walks in. 
Now, she wasn't expecting that, but he'd already looked at Tommy, so we already knew that for the book of the, sto- yeah. the story. But we forgot to mention the kids' books. Well, we didn't forget. That's, that's when the readers find out, too. We, we didn't forget. We're actually so, doing it right. I told you that a major character in a story is a two-year-old. And this two-year-old had been... you and I both like. Because all my friends are young and... Right. And all my I friends are under five and you have three-year-olds. So, um, Tuppence had hung out with the two-year-old quite a bit. And one of the days that she was supposed to babysit for the two-year-old, there was... She had a whole bunch of children's books, like yeah, Goosey Goosey Gander. There was this whole thing where like, there was like two copies of all the same books. And Tuppets was going to read from this end, and Betty says, no, dirty. Yeah. Uh, you have to read from the clean books. And then Tuppets th- was like, that's hilarious. She's from the kind of mothers, the new mothers who were like, you have to read from clean books, and you have to do clean things. Yeah. And Tuppence was like, my kids got dirty, and they're fine. And it's funny, because as a mother, like... I feel like, there's a side note, we have to keep washing our heads. No, we have to keep our kids eating the dirt. We have to have our kids washing our hands. We have to keep eating the dirt. I'm literally getting all of those messages all of the time. Both things are true. Both things are true. Um, so, but this was happening, right. right? So, Betty said, don't read the dirty, old, worn out copies of the book read the new versions and Tuppence was babysitting and was like okay so that had happened already so when she got kidnapped like when she pretended to be the British the German agent and then she shows up at this place and Commander Haydack was in and sees him and he's like tell me what you need to know I've already got Tommy locked up I've already figured out like they've yeah. already figured out their relationship and all this stuff and he's like threatening her with torture and she looks at him and she's a woman in her 40s who like fuck off man so she's like how do I piss this off man off the best she goes goosey goosey gander which is one of the books right but as as a reader at the time you didn't quite process it and you're like is she just is she just talking nonsense right so she just says that and then he freaks the fuck out. Right. And it you're was like, the right thing for her to say to like get a reaction out of him. Right. And you're like, okay. And then he freaks out and he's like, well now I have to kill you and like yeah, it went wild. Went wild and then she's like trying to stall and da 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 and then right when he's like, I'm gonna kill you then the British agents show up mm-hmm. right then. But she there was a long time of tension. Right. There's a lot of, it's well and it's well built. Right. But then and like, and like at first I was like, this is Gander, she's just like <laughs> Like that's how you took it. Like where she's right. just like And that's how I think how she meant it. But then she figured out that it meant something to him. It definitely meant something to him. And then she they went back to those kid books. So then it turned out that Mrs. Oh, we forgot to talk about the Vonda Polska. We forgot oh, to talk about the Betty's whole mom. thing. 
Yeah. I really have to pee, though. Okay. <laughs> Take a big break. We'll push pee. And we're back. Okay. And we're back. So. I'm awake, totally. I'm not asleep at all. Totally not asleep. I'm looking at her. She's. <laughs> <laughs> totally not asleep. <laughs> not spilling water all over myself. <laughs> totally not asleep. So, here's the thing. Okay, so there's a, li- a Polish lady. So we forgot to, this middle of the book The thing. whole point, like the whole time... Both Tommy and or Tubbins have been like, there's an angsty Polish woman outside the boarding house being like, I'm a weird creeper. Right. And, and they were like, and then she'll be like, who lives here? Who's there? What's happening? And then she'll like run away and I'll be like, right. And she was not Polish lady and couldn't speak English the whole thing. And then one night, and this is like three quarters of the way through the book. Which is why you brought it up now, because it's kind of when it's pertinent. But we skipped it. It was before, before Tommy got kidnapped. Um, but um, they were all hanging out outside, and Betty was like running around and doing things, and then her mom, Mrs. Sprott, was like, oh shit, Betty should go to bed. Where's Betty? Couldn't find her, couldn't find her, couldn't find her. Wait. What's happening? I think something happened to Betty. And then Mrs. Sprite is like, something happened, something happened. So she runs up to her room and comes back with a piece piece of paper written around a rock that says, we've taken your child. Yeah. Don't do anything. In foreign, <clears throat> quote, foreign. Ah, I did it that time. You did it. Um, handwriting or something which i will say is a thing like i i don't i have interacted with handwriting that was for people who were like from eastern european or right yeah. spanish as a first language backgrounds and you can tell the difference like it's just you know your penmanship is taught right it was taught. taught in a different way but but yeah so they like, had so a, i mean it sounds xenophobic or racist but i could it's it's a thing so like just the way you're talking but to then the like it says thing. don't contact the police right. and so then um, all of the women in the house are like, don't contact the police. And all the men are like, we're going to contact the police. It turns yeah. into a thing. And even Tommy and Tuppence divide yeah, on that. They, they fall along gender lines. But what happens that. is Com- Commander Haydock has a car. So he shows up. And then a whole bunch of them from the house, but includes Tommy and Tuppence, get in the car. And they're trying to figure out where this girl, little two-year-old, was kidnapped to. And... Gotta say, read this back in May for the first time since I had kids. Hit in a whole different way. I'm sure. Than when I was reading it. So the scene, and Portia can correct me because she's she clearly knows this book better than I do because she's giving you all the plot points. I'm like, oh yeah, that did happen. <laughs> but like, so basically what happens is they find the Polish woman on the edge of a cliff with the baby. Right, well they, they tracked her down. They court her quarter her to the edge of a cliff with the baby. Right, they're following her, and edge of a cliff because they're on the seaside. Right. right. Like, there's not a lot. And long. then, it's it's very... Ooh, I'm bad at Bible things. Who's the, you know, we can split the baby in half thing? Solomon. Because, like, Lot's wife, no, that's the wrong one. 
No, Fred, and that comes up later. But, right, no, yeah. but it's very that, because it's basically like the the mother that we know of her runs up and all the things. So basically... So the woman who... The Polish woman is holding Betty and like screaming in Polish. And then there's a couple of people have guns, but they're like, what do I do? I don't want to hit the baby. And then um, Mrs. Sprott had grabbed a gun somebody's i can't remember it was mrs sprout yeah so she grabs a gun and she shoots the polish lady and you know sharp shoots her and then betty runs back to her mom and then everybody's like oh my god that was like a miracle that you didn't hit the kid yeah right and what the hell and then they get some background on the polish lady and she was like a refugee who had gotten some money but like that's all they got on her. There wasn't a lot. And they were trying to figure out what was going on. And then around that same time, they had arrested Carl and said that he was a right. spy for the Nazis. And there's the soaking the shoelaces thing that Tuppence had seen. And they were like, oh, you must have seen Carl do it. Right. So that had happened. All that had happened around Betty. And wait, so explain the soaking the shoelaces thing. So, Tuppence was babysitting Betty or hanging right, out. Right, no, we, we explained that part, but what did it mean for the spies? Oh, that when you soak the shoelaces, there was a special dye that came out yeah. or something that you could, like... like a message in the shoelaces or a dye or something. Something towards, like, by soaking the shoelaces in water... Some dye came out or something. a spy thing happened. Yeah. But so that's it. So they were they figured out this the shoelace thing... And then, and then, because they saw the girl doing it, and they were like, you saw him doing it. So, all of this happened, and so skipping ahead, after Tommy had been figured out it was Commander Haydock by accident, totally by accident, no props to Tommy at all. Not at all. Stumbled into that. Stumbled, literally stumbled, and then was like... fell on the soap. And his main clue was like... Acting dumb. He was good at acting dumb. But he they didn't even buy that. But then Tuppence purposely broke cover with right. this to- Tony guy and was like, I I know that you're, you know, I, under- I, I get it. You're a spy. I'm going to break cover on purpose. So Tommy broke cover by accident. But Tuppence was like, I'm doing this on purpose. But... Albert was in town, and she purposely put stuff on her shoes so that she could be tracked. Right, which is why her kicking the tires was important. Right, and so Albert and Mr. Grant followed her, and then she babbled, and then she said goosey-goosey gander in front of Commander Haydock. So we already know Commander Haydock is, and we know where Tommy is, because Albert found him because he was... Shave and a half pen or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as you said. But then there's still a, a, an accomplice, right? Who's the accomplice? In the house. Yeah, in, the house because, in the house. Because it had to be somebody who hit Tommy in the head. Right. And it had to be San Sushi because that was the whole thing that they went there for. But Tuppence was the one who figured it out. And as she figured it out when she said to Commander Haydock, Goosey Goosey Gander, and he reacted and she was like, well, that meant something to you. Yeah. And then she figured it out. And she figured out the whole thing. And the whole thing was... Mrs. Sprout was a spy. 
and she had bought the baby off of the Polish refugee who was desperate, coming to England and was like, sure, take my baby. I just need money. The baby's going to be safe. But then, of course, as mothers do, is like, I'm actually not okay with this. I need to see my baby. Right. And it, was, and, and it was so smart of the spy system because when they were evaluating when they first get there, they're like, well, no one with a baby would be involved with spy stuff, right? They right, and like, Tommy sort of like and Tuppence would... both said that. They were like, it couldn't be her. And so that's literally why she bought this baby, because she was just like, well, if I have a kid, no one's going to think of me as a spy. Right. And um, and it worked. But then when Tuppence Which is said... why that was that tell moment when they, like, when when she... First of all, how do you how are you a sharpshooter, ma'am? Right, supposed to be just this goofy ass mom. Right, because she shot the British, the Polish refugee who was holding the and kid missed baby. the baby and missed the baby. But also, was... why were you so? First of all, why are you so good at this? And second of all, why were you willing to shoot? And you could have hit the baby. You could have hit your child because it's not your child because you don't give a shit about her. Right, because and that was what Tuppence's thing was was like, if you were really her mom, you wouldn't have risked. Right, and that's where it felt like. Yeah, and um, Solomon. Yeah, and that's where yeah, Tuppence said it was like Solomon splitting the baby, and they had a whole viral reference thing. But then, um, when to, I'd like uh, to when pause t- at this moment to give our listeners a special uh, introduction to uh, we're Porsche's choose- husband, Chris. Hi, Chris. You're on the podcast. Well, hello, podcast. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> He's coming out from hanging out with a friend. We just Thanks wanted for being to say welcome. This episode brought to you by. Oh, we've already said that. This episode has been brought to you by Not Thin Mints because we ate them. The Not Thin Mints, the gluten-free Thin Mints. Oh, good. The ones we keep buying for more and more, but eating ourselves. Uh, yeah, we have. Sounds about right. It's also been brought and to you by. Maybe a glass of wine. Oh, yes. there's been lots of glasses of wine and also sushi. We've definitely been brought to you by sushi being demanding. Yeah. But we have to introduce you. We've never introduced you. I've never been on the podcast before. <laughs> Welcome, Chris. Welcome, Chris. It's a pleasure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Back, back to the book. So, uh, uh, where were we? Um, Solomon. Oh, yeah. So, like, that's when Tuppence was like, a real mom would never shoot an accident. The possibility that she could hit No matter if it was the tiniest possibility. Yeah, and as I said, when I heard that and read that book part as a young woman, intellectually understood it. When I, sure. When I read it as a mom post, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're like, there's definitely like, yeah. even if I was a sharpshooter, even my job was sharpshooting, I would never do it. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so... We have to finish. I'm Let's clapping finish my this. hands. I'm clapping to... my hands. I'm so tired. We gotta go. Okay. Um, it's so late. Um, so. Okay, so mom. Mrs. Sprout. Mom's Was a terrible person and shot this person who was the real mom. After she bought the baby. After she bought the baby. And she, it was Miss. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> Chris is like. On the child trafficking note, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Um, Chris 
Uh, you guys uh, will know that uh, Chris disapproves of child trafficking. Yes. No, no buying babies. Not this late at night. <laughs> so, like, so Mrs. Sprout, the reason nobody suspected her at the beginning was because... She had a kid. She had a kid. It totally worked as, a, as deep cover. But then it turns out it wasn't her kid. And then Commander Haydock was the other guy. And they were both there. So it wasn't N or M. It was N and M. Right. So it was the woman and the man. And they were, were working together. were both there in this tiny town. And you would town. associated them together. Right. Because they never hung out. Um, but the reason why when Tuppence yelled Goosey Goosey Gander just for the hell of it at Commander Haydock and he got pissed was because... Those books of Betty's had, if you treated them with, like, secret magic ink, I don't know. Right, so there was two codes. There was, like, you dissolve the shoelaces, which he she didn't see the German guy do, who was actually a real refugee, which they falsely arrested. Or, not falsely, but, like, right. incorrectly arrested, arrested. So there was, like, a thing where there was a code if you dissolve the shoelaces, and there was another thing where it was, like... In the children's books. children's book. And so they kept sending, they would have her get new ones, but in the older ones, there was codes in the, in the children's books. So, anyway, so the, like, it was Mrs. Sprout. Goosey Goosey Gander had a big secret in it. Right. So it was Mrs. Sprout and Commander Haydock with the two spies, N and M. I can't remember which one M and which one was M. I can't remember, because they said one was a woman and one was a man, but I can't remember which, which was it. And both Tommy and Tuppence put themselves in danger, but Tuppence definitely was the better spy. And definitely. The, and the book set that up that we've been like he's like I'm just stupid, so like, but, obviously she was better. But better Tuppence would have stayed undercover, but then when she ran into this Tony guy, she's like, "Wait a minute, I don't actually think that you've ever come to the house. I don't believe that you're right." And then he knew about her. So when she outed herself, she was like, I'm going to let you think right, that I'm falling for this. And so it's it's so well-written because as a reader, you're like, no, Tuppence, don't believe him. And she doesn't. She knows better, but she still goes through with it because she's deep cover. And she's like, right. if she's like, think, I'm putting myself in, in danger on purpose. But Albert knew and she told Albert. Yeah. So she told him about following her secret, you know, bioluminescence. Yeah, so they Marks. caught them all, and then the whole thing at the end is they're like, hey, we think that there's going to be a major attack on Britain, but now we can attack Germany as opposed to attacking, wondering how many people from within England are actually working for Germany. And there's a lot of question about treason, and we didn't talk about this, but there's a lot of conversation in the entire book about treason and what they call fifth column and people working against um and whether if you're working for your country you are patriotic but if you're working within another country and pretending to be them you're treasonous right or if you are actually british but working for the germans you're the worst right if you cuz you know and by the way, it turns out, and this was an interesting, like, interesting thing that Agatha Christie did. So we had super happy fun ending. 
where there's a dance at the end. And Tommy and Tuppets are together, and their kids are there. It's so cute. So they the kids come, and they're just like, oh, Mom and Dad, you happen to be here. I'm glad you had a very senile time. Again, these women are, these people are in their 40s, so it's like... I'm glad you had a simple time and nothing happened at all. Right. You're so dumb and stupid and old. And Tommy and Tubbins are like, we sure are. Right. They don't reveal it all to their kids how cool as fuck they are. That they're like, we were so spies. And then Sheila Perenna, who was the daughter of the woman who was Irish and had done something in World War One. Had fallen in love with Carl Van Dienem. Yeah, so the whole thing there was that they were, like, Irish but couldn't be Irish. So they were pretending to be Italian or Spanish or something. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But and then, and then she had fallen in love with the German guy who had gotten arrested for being a spy. But then it turned out he wasn't even a German guy. He was a British guy who'd been working in Germany friends with the German guy. The yeah. German guy had killed himself. Took his identity. And then he was like, this feels like a setup. It feels like the German guy is getting out of Germany easier than he should have. So he goes to Britain. And then he is set up at the fall guy. Like, he's the fall guy. He gets arrested, but then he's actually not the spy. But I thought it was an interesting thing for Agatha Christie to do, that no one in the story was actually German. Yeah, you're right. No one is... Even the, yeah, you're right. The German guy was an English guy pretending to be German. So even there was this conversation about... This guy was like, hey, they're discriminating against me because I'm a German. And that's when Tuppence broke character and was like, dude, you can't have it both ways. You can't both be here as a German during a war against Germany and expect them to be like... Yay, you're fine. Yeah, I mean, she was like, I'm sorry, that that's not how it works. Um, um, but he wasn't actually German. You know, so she, you know, like... Yeah. So it was an interesting thing because Agatha Christie did her thing where, in the same way that she does, like, when the horrible killer accidentally dies at the end, so no one goes to trial and faces consequences. Oh, so, like, by having no German... By having deal with it. A, mo- a story about how all the Germans are bad and discussions about what the Germans are bad, but no one actually turns out to be German in the whole story. So we don't have to grapple with... We don't have to grapple with whether Germans are bad. Now, I just want to say, this was written in 40, published in 41. She had no idea about the Holocaust or any of that stuff. There was actually... Right, it was probably more about, like, in war we see the other side as bad guys. We're all humans. Right. Which... And not that Germans are not humans, even... Right, the Holocaust, but and there was even discussion in it about whether this German guy was in concentration camp because he wasn't Jewish. There was a little bit of like, oh, they're being bad to Jewish people. Yeah, but they don't talk. They they really have no gap grappling with that, and we know that Agatha Christie has talked about Jewish people and persecution of Jewish people in a way that was like a little bit problematic earlier. Mm. But in this one, she doesn't talk about that at all. She just talks about people's stereotypes of Germans. Yeah. And I love, there's this whole thing where Tuppence says, when I say Germany, I feel loathing about Germany. 
But then when I think about a German mom wondering if her kids are going to come home, I feel sympathy for that. And that is true. Uh, And it's true about all wars. Right. And it turns out that Germany was doing... Super bad. Like, extra stuff. But when we think about, like, right now, when we think about Ukraine being attacked by Russians, there are young men coming from Russia who don't know what they're getting into, who have moms, and they don't know what they're getting into. Right, they're soldiers. And do we think about them with loathing? Do we think about, you know, because I can think about right, it in both just, ways. They're just recruiting the army of their country, and they're, they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do. But yeah. when I talk about Russia, I'm like, fucking Russia, what the fuck? are you doing you know like I could be very angry about that and then also think about Russian young men you know and so her little conversation about that is really subtle it was subtle and nuanced and 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 I don't know again it's not my era but it seems ahead of its time or interesting right but also it seems both ahead of its time and behind the time time out also, Germany Nazis were doing extraordinary, but they didn't know that in Britain in 1940 when Agatha Christie wrote this book. Right. And so, I don't think anything that happened in this book, the Holocaust, makes it, like, cringy. Right. Right. Because, it's, like, like you said, in some ways she saved herself because there are no actual Germans, so you don't have to grapple with any real Nazis the only German who was supposed to be a refugee was actually an English guy pretending to be German. He, he assumed his identity. Right. Because he was like deep, deep, deep cover of his own accord. Right. And then, to finish it up, they have this super happy Bring it on home, Portia, do it. Fun dance where they're like talking about it. Their kids are there. They bring Sheila and the not Carl. We never did find out his real name. We, well, we both thought we did, but I don't remember. I don't I don't anyway and then they're there in their late 40s and Tommy looks on Tuppence and says so about Betty yeah and they adopt the baby which is why it's so Portia's favorite book both before and now because it's like, like the people in their 40s now have a baby right and they're like well of course we have to have Betty Who's going to have Betty? Because her real mom was shot by Mrs. Sprott. Mrs. Sprott is a Nazi spy, so of course they have to have Betty. There's no people for Betty, and Betty's the best. She's so smart and so sweet and all the things. Yeah, and so, like, of course they have to. Yeah, and that's a super happy fun time, which, again, in this, as compared to other books where we make that joke about super happy fun times, it's like, no, it all worked out. And then they, there's a child without a home, and they, they take and her home. And then the book, really works out of the well. book, Mr. Grand is like, now we're ready. We've got out the rot, so let the Germans come. And it's 1941, and in four years, and millions of deaths Yeah. later, it's, they're good. It's fine. <laughs> Ooh. But super happy fun war times. <laughs> but to be fair, this is like the third or fourth book that Agatha Christie wrote. How do you write mid war? Like right? Like how do you even Yeah, because you don't know what's gonna happen. The public you know. wants to like and imagine 
how fast we consume things now when we're just like dealing with our own personal crisis if it's wartime and all of the public needs to consume something to just feel yeah. better i know right so she had to do something she was able to write during the and war. so she was able to write something that wasn't too xenophobic wasn't anti-semitic it really wasn't like yeah there was no we don't have to cringe at xenophobia or anti-semitism in a way that we have in many other books of hers and like so she she really did well she did well and then like she didn't she just said the war is going on but we're more ready than we were before which is true d-day happens two years later yeah, I mean, yeah, lots of terrible war happens later, but she can't be responsible for knowing that. Right, because she's an author writing, writing in England in 1940. Like, she doesn't yeah. know. She just knows the war's going on. So, like, but, I mean, because we had talked about the two other books that we had done with her was, like, pretending that there was no war. Right, and that's you were like, so what are we going to... And yeah. this is what she does. And it makes actually makes more sense to address the climate with a spy novel than with a murder mystery. Right. And so, but I loved so it's so cute. They do such a good job. I love Tuppence. And then I love Tommy too, but in different ways. Like I want to be Tuppence and finally got the- to the plot. <laughs> We finally finished the book. We did it! We're, We're both heroes. awake. Sort of. Amanda is sort of awake. I am three quarters asleep, but that is... We got much further than I did the but, last time that I right. fell asleep on this book. Right. Which is ironic because it's a good book. It's a good book, but we are It's also being linear. Also. Um, and now it's late. Our, this coast time. It's, Plus, I'm still my telework is East Coast, so I'm really yeah. on. I I like to come our cousin Justin, where I'm just like 9 p.m. is my bedtime now. But also, <laughs> we're sorry, Prarapod, that our lives have been... yeah we've been so bad at recording because of our focus being on survival mode. Right. So we we miss doing this. It's super fun. So thank you for listening for all of you guys that do. And um, thank you for listening to Poirot Pod, in this case, Tommy and Tuppence. Yes, that's right. Tommy and Tuppence Pod. All right. Good night. Good night.